Hello, everybody. Oh, hello, everybody. Hello. Hey, Chase. Hey, Chris. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. Hey, it's... uh. Hello. It's another edition of the Unfiltered Supporter Show that we're releasing to the whole public until we get all this, uh, yeah. <laughs> all the stuff done. Here. Is that still ongoing, my friend? <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of waiting on some firewall stuff. Oh, that I'm kind of. Well, all you got to do is uh, update uh, from XP to Service Pack Three. Right, right, right. Uh, once you're on Service Pack Three, make sure you turn on the firewall because sometimes it doesn't turn on. <laughs> I uh, I was all ready to go. I thought I knew what I was going to do. I thought I was going to build a PF Sense box, and then I put yeah. the put the brakes on the whole thing. And now oh, I'm so now you're starting over, kind of. Well, no, no, I'm I'm actually further down than I was last week down the path. But last week is when I st- started over. Great things to announce during the supporter show today. Oh yeah, great things to announce. Woo! I'm, I'm going to lead off with a. a Woo! Uh, a big positive story. Wait, I got to tell you first before you get to that. Oh, I don't okay. think you know about this. Oh no, uh, I don't think you you are not aware of what happened in the last twenty. Well, it depends on eighteen hours. It last eighteen on hours. The definition of what? Right. Uh, a, a massive server meltdown at Jupiter Broadcasting after a ton of traffic, and you wouldn't believe it. I'll play the clip. We got some major exposure, uh, but I didn't back up some of the other things, or we thought we had backups in place. Uh, and as Leo. Always says, you know, you got to back it up to get it back. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, everybody's got that carbonite ad stuck in your head, but it's true. Uh, but the most important thing out of this whole experience, I would say, is first off, community is awesome. The the Twit community is awesome. The Jupiter Broadcasting there community, the Geek Gaming TV community, all these, the the all these separate the communities the came to me offered their assistance. Um, and it really no. That was a good. You had a good appearance. In fact, I'm going to put the uh, appearance Chase was on Padre's Corner this week, uh, a new Twitch show, and uh, a <laughs> little backstory about Chase growing up on a farm. I'm going to put it in the supporters oh, overtime, so boy. you guys can watch that. Uh, it'll be 1080p at that. I, I even mentioned I mentioned you by name and Unfilter oh, by name as well. That was the only mention I heard, so I wouldn't clip it. Oh, <laughs> I didn't get to catch the whole thing because I was doing well, kid uh, stuff. We later on. Later on, we went to talk about Comcast. They say you look so respectable in the chat room. I will go. <laughs> I will go a step beyond that. I will. I will say that not only does your picture quality look better than Padres, oh, but your audio quality is better than Padres oh. too. And you are way more chill than Padre was. You're just like, yeah, man, whatever. Cool as a cucumber and Padre, like. I mean, not to call out Padre, because Padre's a good guy. No, but Padre's a very nice Padre guy. had to like redo yeah. his ad like three times. Uh, <laughs> it well, was a little rough. I'm just saying, it yeah. was a little rough. And meanwhile, Chase is like, hey, man, whatever. I'm cool. <laughs> I, I gave uh, the, my my favorite baseball team a little yeah, I love. See that. Uh, I see that. Go Giants. Yeah. No, um, later on in the episode, we started talking about Comcast and how uh, internet customers have surpassed TV customers. Hallelujah! Yeah, not by much, by like a hundred thousand. We are here, and you but must we, recognize. But we started us. talking about it, and then I said, you know. One thing, Padre, that that I say a lot on, on a show that I do with uh, Chris Fisher at mm. Jupiter called Unfilter. Oh, I miss that. Is I say I say show me the money. Oh Follow my the money. gosh! But did he do? Show me. <laughs> did he have that? Because no, I mean, he didn't on. have the clip. What no, he didn't have the clip. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was a great time uh, on 007. So episode six, Becky Worley. You know, Tech TV. Now she's at ABC News, I think, and and now here I am, episode seven. So uh, that was a lot of fun, and like one of the early betas. Yeah, I was on the first official beta episode, yeah. And actually, I was on that one, and then I came on back a, a few weeks later. All right, so what were you going to tell me before I... Uh, my website's back. hey Yeah. How did that go? Uh, well, it's it's most of it's still a work in progress. I still need to set up the RTMP server oh, and a TeamSpeak yeah. and all that other fun jazz. But, but at least the site's back now and yeah. a little bit improved. Uh, oh, yeah? 
Some Did upgrades? Some minor changes, some minor design changes and stuff, but uh, very happy that that's back as well. You know, Chase, if you ever got stuck, uh-huh. your buddy, President uh, Obama, my good friend. will offer you his motor- motorcade. What? I assume. No way. I assume. Yeah. Really? Well, he offered it to Chelsea Clinton, so I figure if he's going to offer it to Chelsea Clinton, he'll probably offer minute. it to you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. disgusting. Wait a minute. What, what, what? Wait a minute. What? No, Obama wants to make sure. But, but, but did you not already know, Chris? Did you fall for this one? Did you fall for this one? Look, did you not already know no, that like, all the former presidents and their and their families nope. basically still are under the guise of not the Secret true. Service? Not true. No? Not true. Oh, no, not true. Not the president's motorcade. No, no, that is just the president. Uh, I thought they still get sacred service. They do. Though. Oh, yeah, they oh, do. Okay. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, look at it. I just thought we'd start with Obama. We're going to really pretty much trash on Obama probably the whole episode, so I thought uh, we'd start with him having... Uh, 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 no, I thought this was great. I think this is Obama's best moment in the last two years. Whoa! President Clinton, that uh, if uh, Chelsea begins delivery while I'm speaking, <laughs> she has my motorcade and will be able to navigate traffic. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually it's pretty smooth for me during the week. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. Everybody okay. hypes the traffic, right. but I haven't noticed. <laughs> look at that look. <laughs> okay, come on, tell me that, that was pretty that good, right? A little funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's him sticking it to everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. Boy, we know what it's like when Obama rolls into town, too. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you heard, but the small little city of Medina. Uh, that's where Bill Gates lives, the CEO mm. of Costco mm-hmm, lives. Mm-hmm. When the president came to town for his big fundraiser trip. Right, recently. Well, you know, they shut down highways. They had to have security on overtime, police on overtime to shut down roads. The city of Medina actually sent uh, the uh, Democratic Committee They should do that more bill. often. They should do that more often because he's there to raise money. Right. But the city of Seattle says, no, we haven't. We're not going to charge for him. We haven't charged for any other president, oh, even okay. Bush. All right, all right. Uh, the CEO of Costco said he's okay with it. Because they actually billed him because the fundraiser was at his house. Can you imagine the bill? It was like twelve, fourteen thousand dollars. Oh, it's just the bill for the like overtime for, for the police and stuff. Right. Okay. Right, okay. Right, okay. Right. Okay. Uh, CEO of Costco says right. it's okay as long as they're consistent in enforcing this, no matter who the president is. So. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. The more you know. The more you know. So, so I didn't know. I didn't realize that the uh, servers went down earlier t- uh, today. Oh, t- uh, crushed uh, with the traffic. <laughs> crushed with the traffic. Uh, you Scale know, engine held up, huh? I guess. <laughs> In this version of the story. Uh, we're all, so we're sitting here. You know, we're thinking uh, Obama had a good moment there. Yeah, yeah. However, Sean but, Hannity. Oh boy. You know, there's a lot of things. You know, we're we're arming uh, people who we eventually will have to kill. Uh, well, <laughs> that's what we're we're actually fighting those people and creating more people will eventually have to kill. Uh, Obama has done a lot of things. You could argue have not been great. He's gone back on a lot of his promises. We'll we'll document some of that today. However, Sean Hannity believes he has found what is to be the most egregious violation of the president and his commitment to the United States what? and our military. You, you mean forgetting the fact that he's already took taken the the constitution mm-hmm. and kind of wiped himself with You mean it. he will be known as the president who gave NSA unchecked powers to right, keep, right, and yeah. and then sort of codified all of the illegal yeah. activity and So taking that aside okay, I yeah. guess we're going to hear This is way worse. Way worse. Way 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 worse. Whoa. Sean Hannity had to start the show out with all this. Right, I'm ready. This is uh this is a big new deal. I believe it's even breaking news. So let's oh. go let's go right to Sean Hannity. All right, Sean Welcome back to Hannity. So yesterday during the White House briefing, a reporter questioned Press Secretary Josh Ernest about how his boss's predecessor, George W. Bush, may have approached the fight against ISIS. I love this, by the way. So uh, this week, uh, Fox News has been asking the question, uh, what would Bush have done? They've also, uh, Culley was asking the question, what would Mitt have done? 
And I, I love, first of all, asking what Bush would have done is great since we're going back into Iraq. But asking what Romney would have done, that's my favorite. Of course, they don't ask Romney to ask his wife. Anyways, <laughs> it, they did. In this clip, uh, this is what Bush would have done. And you think, okay, all right, this would be maybe interesting. Let's see. Who do you ask what Bush would have done? Differently than President Obama. Let's take a look. Who, do, who would you ask, by the way? Who would I ask? Yeah, who would you ask if you were going to ask, who would you ask if you couldn't ask Bush or Cheney? Who would you ask? Do you have any ideas? What would Bush have done differently? I, I, I would have talked to Bill. I uh, mean, sure. My good They've buddy. been asking Bill. They've yeah. been asking Bill. How do you see the president's approach as different from the one pursued by President Bush? So now the media, this reporter, asked the White House spokesperson. That's a pretty good who, person who, to ask. Uh, who's this reporter from? I don't remember because oh, they don't give her credit because oh, she's not course. a Fox News reporter. Oh, yeah. uh, but, you know, it's a fair enough. I mean, what's he going to say, right? But, I mean, that's at least maybe a, the right person to ask. Uh, there was an invitation from the Iraqi government. Uh, for American military participation in efforts to counter ISIL. So um, the involvement of, of the Iraqi government is important because the president doesn't want, want to fall into, um, uh, into a pattern of making a, a mistake that was made in the previous conflict. Ouch! So what he's saying is, well, one big difference is we were invited by the government instead of invading. That's, that's a pretty good differentiator. Yeah. Pretty solid. Yeah. So, but that's not a good answer. Which is that the United States was put in the position uh, of essentially uh, trying to deploy significant resources and significant personnel to try to uh, address the security situation across the nation of Iraq. Oh, that's pretty boring, but it's pretty hard to argue with that since we were invited in by the Iraqi government. But, but, but Chris, we were invited in by mm-hmm. the Iraqi government that we installed. Right, right, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, hey, let's uh, uh, keep moving on from there. Okay. But let's not focus on that. Instead, I'm just, I'm like, I would like to introduce okay. you to a look over there. Uh, look, watch. This is Ooh, what they. What's this? Look over there. This is what we're going to see right now. Is we're going to candy. We're going to enjoy a, a beautiful, tasty look over there media moment. All right here with analysis into how the president, President Bush. Oh, Carl Rove. You asked Carl Rove. Of course, you asked Carl Rove because he was the architect of the Bush administration. Bush would have handled this crisis. Former Bush advisor, the architect, Fox News contributor, Carl Rove. All right, before we get to that, did you see the latte salute? Okay. Now, what you got to realize. <laughs> This is not what they opened the show with at all. He's asking, did you see the latte salute? Okay. And if you watch, I want you, I'm going to play this back. Watch Carl Rove. Watch his hand move when, when he comes on camera. Here with analysis into how the president, President Bush, would have handled this crisis. Yeah. Former Bush advisor, the architect, Fox News contributor, Carl Rove. All right, before we get to that, did you see the latte salute? The president gets off Marine One today. Oh, uh, he had a gag prop. He had a gag wait, prop. Wait. And then the B-roll guy screwed it up. And look at Carl Rove. Look how media savvy is. He held it up there waiting for them to cut back to him. That's oh, pretty savvy. Man. So he went in there with a prop. So let's play this back. This is too much fun. We've got to just watch. Remember, this is a big Get deal. That. Did you see the latte salute? The president gets off Marine One today. Oh, wait, hang on. <laughs> Obviously, you've seen it. Because <laughs> we didn't give you that cup. <laughs> I mean, how would, would President Bush ever do that? Yeah, are we are we surprised? For, I mean, after all, we got a chai swilling, golf playing, basketball trash talking, uh, leading from behind. I got no strategy. Uh, Osama bin Laden is dead. GM is alive. A community organizing commander in chief. How disrespectful was that? Yeah, How in, you know insensitive? I, you know, look. We're well, still going. Uh, dude. You know, stop the guy, the, we're that, talking about men and coffee. women. I, I, what is no dude? T. That. 
Yeah, and look, he knows there are going to be two Marines at the bottom of Marine One when he gets off. And, and the idea that I'm going to just sort of jaunt out there with my chai tea and give him the old, you know, it's not a latte salute, it's a chai salute because he drinks chai tea. But, I mean, please, what a, how disrespectful was that? Hannity? Listen, what, what do you suppose Hannity was going to say there? I think he was going to say, a, what a piece of sh... Was what he was about to say. Let's play that at the end there because I think Hannity's going to say, what, what a piece a, of... What a... Welcome back. Yeah, and look, he knows there are going to be two Marines at the bottom of Marine One when he gets off. And and the idea that I'm going to just sort of jaunt out there with my chai tea and give him the old, you know, it's not a latte salute, it's a chai salute because he drinks chai tea. But, I mean, please, how disrespectful was that? What a what was he going to say? What a it fruit? Like there's what an a, F coming on there. What a yeah or is he yeah is it the chai? Well, is it the chai tea? I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what has them so upset about that. But he's the commander in chief, right? Yeah. I bet there's been many generals out there yeah. that haven't saluted fully, fully because they're the top dog. They're the top. They're the dog. big boy. This, you, yeah, that to me. Well, you'd looks, be thankful you got half a salute from the president if you're yeah, in the service. It looks lazy to me. I'm sure, I'm sure of course, it was. Yeah. Of course it was. Yeah, but it's nothing to make a huge talking point. No, about. and my point is, here's the here's the thing: mm-hmm. is when they do that kind of stuff, that's the kind of shit that makes Fox News look like a joke operation. It does absolutely. Right? So, so, so they, who is it? Is it is it Hannity? Yeah, it's Hannity. It's Hannity. Yeah, though. Hannity's. You know, it's in, it's in the evening. The hand the, the opinion shows come on and it just falls apart. So Hannity brought that to the table, thinking this is a good idea, and they gave Rove a prop. Wow! And obviously, it's just to take a shot at the president, and then Rove just rattled off the things that Obama's done that's bothered him. You know, killed Bin Laden, saved GM. Of yeah. course, got it. Those are things that are, you know are on the scorecard, oh, apparently. Man. <sighs> yes, yes. Uh, I had a, I had a three minute uh, uh, Carlin clip, but I was thinking maybe I'd play it at the end of the show, and maybe we'll wrap up George with that. Carlin. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like a clip of the day. Um, no, I mean it's just like, it's <laughs> not really related to the show. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, but before we get, we got a lot of ISIS stuff. I just don't. I'm just not, ISIL. I'm not, right. ISIL. Uh, uh, you know what? Actually, Chase. Yes, Chris. Hold on. Let me see if I have for your consideration. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Do I? Yes, I do. For your consideration, why don't we? Before we get into the ISIS ISIL stuff, mm-hmm. let's play a little clip from NPR about what the hell we are supposed to call them and why there is. This difference that we've been wondering, right? Interesting, yes? Yes. 90% of Americans believe that ISIS, or ISIL, or Islamic State, poses a threat to the U.S., according to a recent CNN poll. Hey, Mark. Can we believe that? Can we believe that? Remember, polls are worth the piece of paper they're written on. It, it It all comes down to how the question is phrased. And any pollster or any news organization looking to push an agenda will form the question in the way that they will get the most answers. I guess that's what it is. Ninety percent yeah. seems so dramatically high. They they could say, "Do you feel of any remote, you know, yeah. uneasy feeling? Do you believe there's a possibility? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe there's a possibility? Yeah. 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 Do I believe I could get hit by a car? Yeah. Okay. All right. It's, yeah, it's okay. a stupid question. Poll. Hey, Mark. Let that be the first question. Okay. Mark Lynch is director of the Institute for Middle East Studies at George Washington University. So, Mark, what should we be calling this entity? Well, I think you should be calling it ISIS because I think that that actually better captures what the group understands about itself 
The administration has chosen to use the phrase ISIL, uh, Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, which uh, I think they see as a way of translating a sham, which is what the S stands for in ISIS. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't resonate with how anybody in the region understands it or how the group uh, understands itself. I actually think that the terminology is very problematic because ultimately there is a battle to define what this group is. And that's a big part of the politics of trying to confront it. Did that solve your... Uh, no. Sounds like So it sounds like the media is going to call it ISIS and the Obama administration is going to call it ISIL. And they're only going to call it ISIL just because other players in the region mm-hmm. identify with that term easier. Well, and uh, supposedly, it sounds... it doesn't. How the hell is this even a thing? Is what I want to know. Well, how the te- hell is this te- even a well, thing? Well, techno in the chat room's got to just call them terrorists, right? Uh, I was going to call them uh, a cult of organized uh, extremists, but... You mean a black ops unit? What? What? I think you're putting words in my mouth. I'm sorry. <laughs> hmm. Sorry about that. Um, okay, all right. Well, we got a few other things. I just, boy, I'm just not ready. God, I love mustache. Man, I am not I am not ready to jump into the ISIS stuff yet. I got to work into it a little bit. You I got to work myself into you it. You got to ease in the ISIL? Maybe, uh... So Papa Bear is putting out a book. O'Reilly. Yeah, he's got the uh, Killing Of series. You know this? The Killing Of JFK, where what he does is he goes through and just codifies all of the mainstream bullshit and makes it sound really great by putting a narrative around it. Oh, he's trying to be like Ken Burns? Yeah, only uh, more of the more of the propaganda you could just stick in there via story. So he's got a new series out. So he doesn't have enough money is what you're but saying. But he also <laughs> has a grand theory on how to stop ISIS. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. Um, you know, but I'm not sure I want to play the CBS version for you because the CBS version is really a book pitch. It's not so much, hmm. This the thing. That, all right, here, I'm going to play it for you a little bit. And tell me if you think the CBS hosts don't like Bill O'Reilly after watching this, okay? Fair enough. It seems a little uncomfortable to me, but maybe I'm just reading into things. All right. Um, didn't start. Now. Engage. Hmm. Hmm. Engage. Hmm. I think my VLC took a poop. Make it so. Yes, my VLC took a poop, Chase. My VLC took a poop. Well, well. Mm. All right, I'll play the other one for you then. Fair enough. Because that one doesn't have to require VL, VL, VLC, Chase. Uh, yeah. So Papa Bear, here's. I'll give you the. I'll give you the highlights. Okay. All right. So the problem is, is politics, according to uh, Bill O'Reilly. And what we need to do to get around politics is to hire a whole bunch of mercenaries to go in there. And do our killing for us. So this clip should play because this is on YouTube. This is the Young Turks covering. Bill this. O'Reilly has a plan to defeat ISIS, and he only launched it a couple of days ago, and it's already being described as bold and aggressive and illegal and immoral. <laughs> but I will let him lay out the case for you, and then we will respond. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the phony rhetoric surrounding the ISIS terror threat. I am also tired of hearing the phrase "boots on the ground." Finally, I am tired of being misled by the Obama administration. Here is the truth. Syrian moderates cannot defeat the ISIS terror group. Let me repeat, even if the USA trains Syrian moderates and gives them weapons, they will not, not be able to defeat the terrorists. So we need ground forces. However, the American people, perhaps rightly so, don't want to send any more of our troops into these chaotic countries. But what about a mercenary army? Elite fighters who would be well-paid, well-trained to defeat terrorists all over the world. 
So he's going to, we're going to show you a clip in just a minute where he's going to describe more in detail all of the thinking that he's been doing before he went on air and described this plan. But I love the idea that, that we, we can't send over Americans. He sort of concedes that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't think the Syrian rebels, you know, can defeat ISIS there. But if we only bring them here and train them, then all of a sudden they'll be far more capable and more uh, able to defeat ISIS. And by the way, I understand I'm jumping ahead. Jesus, if you could get video seven ready. So this is a guy who's going to lay out exactly how to defeat an unprecedented and interesting amalgam of terrorist tactics and some state building that they're doing in in Iraq right now. Uh, What military experience does O'Reilly have? That he understands the inner workings of both the U.S. military, the Syrian rebels that he's never met or worked with, and ISIS. Here he's going to describe the experience he has with the military. I'll tell you what. No, I covered Bill, four wars with a pen. And an arrogant idiot. All right, cut him, cut him no, off. Come on. Cut him off. He's a jerk. I covered four wars with a pen. Okay. Oh, so don't impugn my courage ever again. You're a weasel. <laughs> I absolutely love that. <laughs> so you've covered four wars with a pen, and if you don't think that's enough military experience, you are a weasel. You know, what I find interesting is if he did cover four wars with a pen, then he uh. would know that military aggression or U.S. aggression or mm-hmm. and military aggression in general because these are mercenary fighters. They're not necessarily American fighters, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily lead to the results that you want yeah. when it comes to counterterrorism. And right? don't impugn his courage. <laughs> so, but but I, I think that it plays into the narrative that his audience is in favor of, right? They're a bunch of paranoid, scared people. Yeah. They think that the country is facing an imminent threat mm-hmm. and as a result of buying into that propaganda, they want to hear... Uh, from pundit, pundits and also politicians who think, oh my God, we're going to go out there and we're going to be strong and we're going to fight and we're yeah. going to bomb countries and we're going to... It doesn't work. It doesn't work. That type of aggression has only made matters worse. Yeah. Um, but it's... I mean, it's O'Reilly. He... What does he know? Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't uh, take he anything. Four he's, wars. he's an entertainer. Yeah. Now, you know, look, but he's tired. Just keep that in <laughs> he's mind. He's very tired of Obama misleading you, and now it is his turn. Yeah. Um, so, we, as I said, we're going to break apart the mercenary plan, but first, how is it going to work logistically and in terms of funding? Take it away, Bill O'Reilly. Here's how it would work. The fighters would be recruited by America and trained in the USA by our special forces. U.S. Army rules of engagement would be followed. Strict discipline formed by the Geneva Convention. America would be in charge of selecting who makes the cut and how they are deployed, with an eye on a 25,000-person force. American and NATO officers would lead the mercenary army, and the USA would also provide logistical support, basing the first trained soldiers in Kurdistan. The force would be called the anti-terror army, Hmm. and the cost paid by the coalition that President Obama is trying to put together. That means all countries that want intelligence and protection from the USA and NATO would have to chip in. If they don't pay, they get no help. The elite force would be English speaking. And because paychecks would be issued, soldiers currently in armed forces around the world would not be eligible. Only American and NATO officers in command would be exempt from that. Each soldier would sign a contract, a three-year commitment, And again, they would be highly paid. Finally, help a lot if the U.S. Congress would formally declare war on terrorism. Declare war on terrorism. But (laughs) that's like that's my favorite part right there. Uh, That's my favorite part. You can't you can't do that. You can't declare war like that. Terrorists are bad guys, Chase. Well, no, I know. But terrorism. I'm sorry. What? He's. Do you know what the definition of terrorism is? Uh, yeah, they're uh, guys that have rags no, on not, their no, heads. No, 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 
not not terrorists. Yeah, yeah. Terrorism. Yeah, yeah. They're guys that fly uh, planes in 9-11, uh, save our troops. <laughs> what? I feel like I just slipped into some sort of clouded uh, <laughs> suggestion. I don't know what just happened to I me. Mean, right, first off, B- Mr. Billo. Billio, Chase. Billio, the, the patriarch of Fox News. I... 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 I always try to look for the good in a lot of people. And I see where he was trying. U.S.-led airstrikes oh. in Syria continue in what is like. Excuse USA Today had an autoplay. Hi, hi USA this is, uh, this is just all kinds of fun, isn't it? But, you know, he talks about how, well, well-paid and well-paid and well-paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what if we... I, I, I Those are still Americans, right? Right. Uh, well, no, it'd be uh, from all over the world. Okay, from but, all over but, the world. But Americans would probably sign yes. up for that as well. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Right, but then he says, "Well, armies would not be eligible or whatever." Right. So is he say- basically saying that we're not paying our own soldiers enough in well, a roundabout sure. way? Sure. Yeah, I think he is saying that. But I guess he was also implying that if we paid them a lot of money, they somehow wouldn't cross some sort of professionalism line. Right, and and the money would come from everybody, except if. They didn't put money into it, then they wouldn't get protections or they wouldn't get this army. So basically now it's payola. It's a scheme where you have to pay to get the best protection and the most elite force. We already have an elite force. Yeah. Yeah. What? One of the elitist, as it were. Well, I mean, yeah, we've heard of SEAL Team 6, yeah. 5, 12, and all that. So. Well, we just, I mean, just our military in general. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, all right. So speaking of our military in general, let's get into the ISIS stuff now. Uh, and we'll start. We're going to get in uh, at the top here. But I want to start with uh, some of the weapons that have been used recently, just so we have that. And then we'll uh, get into the latest developments. So this is just a little uh, weapon porn. And then we'll officially open up uh, our ISIS segment. Continuing coverage of the airstrikes on Islamic State militants in Syria. That was video from the USS Philippine Sea. A guided missile cruiser provided to us by the military. Fox News now getting a closer look at the kinds of weapons that U.S. military and its allies used. Our correspondent Leah Gabriel is a former fighter pilot herself who flew in missions over Afghanistan. Leah? Well, Shep, last night's strikes show how our country can hit extremely precise targets. And in the first wave of strikes, the Navy demonstrated they can do it from very far away. Two Navy ships launched more than 40 Tomahawk land attack missiles like the one you see here. These can travel as far as 1,500 miles. They have onboard GPS systems, and they can even compare an image of what they're flying over to a programmed image of what the terrain should look like for accuracy. Now, these are some before and after pictures from last night. Take a look at the one on the left. Here, the Pentagon says that the target was only the communications array on top of this Islamic State Finance Center and not the building itself. And in the aftershot you see on the right, you can see that that is exactly what they took out. Now, about a half an hour later, the F-22 stealth fighter made its first combat mission in the second wave of strikes. F-16s, (laughs) F-15Es, and B-1s also dropped precision-guided bombs. And in the third wave of of strikes, F-18s like the one I flew launched from the USS George Bush. Now, this video shows them attacking an Islamic State residence that was used for training and logistics. The Pentagon says they used GPS-guided missiles and pointed out that every hit was within the confines of the compound. Now, from my experience, I know that the GPS weapon of choice for the F-18s in this type of mission is the Joint Direct Attack Munition, or JDAM, like you see here. Now, it's essentially a dumb bomb with a GPS guidance kit attached, and it allows us to come in very high and fast in any weather. 
me. Drop it and leave <laughs> without even having to overfly the target. JDAM basically uses the smack, the speed we put on it, and the altitude, and its onboard GPS then guides it to the target. Well, the Pentagon says that more than 90% of bombs used last night were precision munitions. Chef, this is what we call a surgical strike, and you can see from the pictures and video why we call it that. You certainly can. Good to see you, Leah. Thank you. Thank you. No, Ooh. thank you. No, thank you. How you like how they have that? Yeah. Shep does that. He has those little exchanges at the end, and you're like, oh, Shep cares. Uh, Shep cares. <laughs> Shep cares from the iPad desk. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, the surface, <laughs> surface room, Chase. The surface that's, room. They, that was a big deal with Microsoft. They hated it when they by, spent all that money. You still call them iPads. S- yeah, well, yeah, small, yeah, minor story. Yeah, the NFL. Yeah, everybody they knows, spend, They spend $500 million. Everybody knows, and, they, and then they still do it. I know. They're still doing it. Uh, wow. All right, so before we get into ISIS... Because the elephant in the room, of course, is uh, this... ISIL, by the way, Chris. I thought we just got into that. No, no. Okay, uh, all right. The elephant in the room, obviously, is uh, this is now Obama's war. Literally. I mean, he hasn't gotten approval from Congress. Yeah. Uh, He's, you know, him and and his administration have led this organization of the coalition. He went up there and did the big speech. Yep. Um, He even did the UN thing, too. I mean, I think not talking about that is trying to avoid the elephant in the room. So I just, let's just play this clip. Okay. Just so that way we've addressed it. Fair enough. And have a little perspective as we move forward. Sounds good. For the first time in nine years. 2012. There are no Americans fighting in Iraq. Four years ago, I promised to end the war in Iraq. We did. Four years ago, I promised to end the war in Iraq. I did. You know, four years ago, I promised to end the war in Iraq, and I did. I told you we'd end the war in Iraq. We did. I said we'd end the Iraq war. We did. I told you I'd end the war in Iraq. And we did. I ended the war in Iraq as I promised. In 2008, I promised we'd end the war in Iraq. We've ended it. I was able to keep my promise and end the war in Iraq. In 2008, I promised we would end the war in Iraq and we've ended it. The war in Iraq is over. The war in Iraq is over. From ending the war in Iraq. That's why I ended the war in Iraq. For the first time in nine years, there are no Americans fighting in Iraq. President, do you have any uh, 2014 about... Uh, pulling all ground troops out of Iraq. You know what? What I just find interesting is uh, the degree to which this this issue keeps on coming up, as if this was my decision. <laughs> <laughs> How great is that? That's great, right? That'll be in the uh, supporters' sink if you guys want to grab that. I like that one quite a bit. All right, so uh, let's uh, recap on what the hell's been going on since we the talked last. The U.S.-led anti-ISIS coalition has launched its first strikes in Syria. Now, of course, we had been engaging in some limited airstrikes in Iraq for about a little bit over a week. But now we have struck multiple targets uh, in Syria, uh, cities west of Aleppo, um, and a general of the, the U.S. military is saying that this is only the beginning. Of course, we have uh, more details. The strikes were by the U.S. We also had uh, multiple uh, allies in the region who helped us out with those strikes, including Bahrain, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, uh, Jordan, and the United Arab Emirates. Um, Four different cities in Syria were struck. I I believe we have some footage of of the strikes in the aftermath, which we'll show you. Uh, You're going to see there the the typical video gamey look at what war looks like in 2014 as those strikes go in. Um, four different ISIS-held cities were uh, targeted, including Raqqa, which ISIS has indicated is its operational headquarters in Syria, Dair el-Zur, Asaka, and Abu Kamal. Look all at struck. that. Wow. And you're seeing there, obviously, uh, quite a few cities held by ISIS in Syria right now, um, stretching through uh, the, the north and the east of that country. 
Uh, we also know there were about eight strikes uh, at that point against another terrorist organization, which we'll tell you a little bit more about um, in due time. And we have confirmations that some civilians were killed during those airstrikes, which took place throughout uh, late yesterday uh, and, and the night. So yeah. what's your initial reaction to... So I want to stop right there. Uh, this is sort of a... We are now marking this is the seventh predominantly Muslim country, Syria is, that has been bombed by the 2009 Nobel Peace Prize laureate, uh, Barack Obama. Uh, this is coming after Afghanistan, Pakistan, Yemen, Somalia, Libya, and Iraq that he has bombed. That's a lot of dings. Yeah, I just, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I don't know if you, did you celebrate the uh, occasion? No. Uh, it would seem soda. that uh, six, wings, six weeks of bombing in Iraq really hasn't done much to stop ISIS, because uh, you remember we've been doing that already, but now we have moved into Syria. And the first group we bombed wasn't ISIS at all. Oh? After the big oh, speech, yes. after yeah. all of that, it turns out... We were going after it. We, our first attack was on an entire, entirely different group. And the attack on Khorasan highlights the difficult balance the U.S. faces in the region. Clarissa Ward is in London with more on this organization that is also fighting ISIS. Clarissa, good morning. How- Hold on. Did you, did you hear what she said? Coruscant, isn't that the city in Star Wars? Uh, no, that's, although, good catch. No, <laughs> listen carefully to what Nora says when she introduces this gal. Region. Oh. Clarissa Ward is in London with more on this organization that is also fighting ISIS. On this organization that is also fighting ISIS? That's right. The first organization we bombed in Syria is a group that is fighting ISIS. That was the first people we whoa, dropped bombs whoa, on. What? Clarissa, good morning. Help us understand just exactly what this organization is and how they operate with others in Syria. Good morning, Nora. Well, Khorasan, as the U.S. is calling this group, is actually part of the Nusra Front, which is an offshoot of al-Qaeda. And it's also the first Syrian rebel group to have been labeled a terrorist organization by the U.S. But these airstrikes against Nusra are not likely to be very popular on the ground. And that's because the big difference between Nusra and ISIS is that although both espouse the same extremist ideology, Nusra has large support among the Syrian population and has actually been fighting against ISIS on the battlefield, at times even alongside the Western-backed so-called moderate rebels that the U.S. is hoping will fight this war. And that potentially puts those fighters, those U.S.-backed rebels, in a very tough situation because they simply don't have the weaponry or the manpower to fight the Assad regime and ISIS and now potentially the Nusra Front as well at the same time. Charlie? Clarissa, thanks. Getting things started off with a real bang, aren't we, Chase? <laughs> Literally. So not only did we just wow. degrade one of the fighting forces that's going after ISIS, yeah. but we also just gave them a big heads up. Like, now now ISIS has time to move their guys out, rearrange things, because our first strike wasn't on them. It was on somebody else, which is nuts to me. And by the way, all of the talk, never mentioned in the speeches, it just went right, boom, right to that. So where the F did these guys come from? It is just a global alert. Okay, Brian, thanks very much. Let's get more on this our chief White House correspondent, John Carlin. John, you know, the president two weeks ago announced these airstrikes against Iraq and Syria. But at the time, these strikes against this group, Khorasan, weren't even planned. Yeah, this is fascinating. It was September 10th, primetime address to the nation. The president made it clear that he had made a decision to expand airstrikes into Syria. Khorasan was not part of the battle plan, was not on the list. The reason why they decided to add them is because there had been reporting about this group and about how U.S. officials were concerned about it. They were concerned that reporting was going to drive the group underground. They would miss their opportunity to hit them. They were also concerned that once those uh, bombs started dropping on ISIS, that they would also run to ground so and they miss the, the opportunity. Chance. 
And, uh, of course, they uh, matched it with some nice, oh, they've partnered with your buddy, the Al-Qaeda bomb maker, who knows how to make undetectable bombs. So, sorry, everybody, all those millions we spent on the TSA screeners, well, uh, these guys over in Syria that we just dropped bombs on, they managed to outsmart every security expert in the United States, and uh, we're going to be able to sneak bombs on, so we had to drop bombs, because they were totally going to do it. Don't you believe it, Chase? They were going to have bombs, Chase. They were going to have bombs. Don't you believe that, without question? (laughs) I do. Uh, and uh, and uh, realistically, I mean, sure, they're probably bad people. Uh, I just think it's I think it's nuts that we've had we've heard ISIS, ISIS, ISIL, ISIL, uh, all this stuff, and then boom, the first guys we drop bomb on are people that until then, until that moment, the American people never even heard their name. Yeah, that's true. It's just nuts. Very true. It seems completely unchecked and out yeah. of power. Uh, however, however, yes, we do have some Arab nations that have joined us in these airstrikes, and I think that's a particularly good sign. Five Arab nations helping the U.S. with this military action. Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Qatar, and the United Arab Emirates all answering the call here. So why these countries and what do we make of the ones that did not take part? We're joined now by Chief International Correspondent Christian Amanpour. So you look at these five nations that are in this with the U.S. What is, I guess, how significant is this coalition? It is significant because, as Spider-Mark said and, and the General Francona, it's very, very difficult to get Arab states on board to bomb other Arab slash Muslim states. So this is very significant. And particularly, these countries have been incredibly involved in trying to get intervention in Syria over the last several years. And a problem, of course, these countries often all back different groups, and some have been backing and, you know, all sorts of uh, nefarious groups, whether it's official by the government or indeed allowing uh, wealthy people to fund some of these groups. So- oh, she is inferring something major there. She is inferring something huge that we need to come back to. I want to replay it so that way you can remember it, and then we're going to come back to this topic in a little bit. But she, by the way, what she is saying is why are some of these Arab nations joining us? Because these are the very nations that funded ISIS. And it wasn't necessarily from the state in some cases. It was just from rich people in their nation that they allowed them to fund ISIS. And so now they are joining us because they helped create the problem. That's what she's saying right now. Intervention in Syria over the last several years. And a problem, of course, these countries often all back different groups and some have been backing and you know all sorts of uh, nefarious groups whether it's official by the government or indeed allowing uh, wealthy people to fund some of these groups so the vacuum that's been created there over the last three years has now threatened the whole region so a lot of them want to show that they're actually you know need to take a stand now but noticeably absent is turkey why is turkey not involved look Turkey has been taking the brunt of the humanitarian disaster for years. It's got hundreds of thousands of Syrian refugees inside. When I spoke to the Turkish Prime Minister, now President Erdogan, a couple of years ago, he was desperate that the world should intervene in Syria and said that they would join as well. Well, the world didn't. And Turkey is right on the border of Syria and bears a huge brunt of the fallout. And you know that they just had their 49 or 50 of their diplomats, women, children, kidnapped by ISIS, and it took a long time to get them out. For all we know, Turkey told them, you know, we won't be involved in a military campaign. Who knows how they got their people out of uh, ISIS custody. But, you know, they might do other things in this, what's going to be a very long campaign. Britain, France, they've said publicly that we have been asked by the Iraqis to come in and help their forces and to help the uh, fight against ISIS there, but we're not yet at the point where we're going to do that in Syria. Airstrikes, uh, many have said that that's not enough. There are other steps. At the same time, the U.S. making very clear no U.S. boots on the ground. That's what they're saying. How 
does the U.S. and its allies here, how do they capitalize on these airstrikes? Well, enormously, quickly, rapidly and seriously, they have to start really building up the Free Syrian Army and whatever other moderate groups they have identified there, because those are going to be the ground forces. I've spoken to many of these Free Syrian Army leaders, the the commanders, already they're reacting. They have told their people that finally, you know, the world is intervening against ISIS. They may be acting as some of these sort of intel on the ground, some of the bomb damage assessments, some of the I doubt forward air control because that's a very specific military task, but they're probably helping in some way that they can. And they, without Western or or external support, for years kept ISIS and Assad at bay. They were fighting a two-front war. But then it got too much because they didn't get any support. Now, if you talk to American generals, commanders, they'll say, if you want boots on the ground, you're going to have to really seriously train, arm and equip these people who you've identified. All right. So I thought that was a pretty good clip. And I want to uh, play a little more of another clip. And then I want to talk about the funding uh, and how we are continually in this loop of pretending like we haven't been funding uh, these terrorists all along. And I, the way I want to demonstrate this is we have links in the show notes. And I want to play a clip from yesterday that talks like we've never sent a single bullet or a single penny to these people. Listen to just the, just the verbiage they use in the introduction of this segment. To counter the Assad dictatorship and ISIS, the Obama administration intends to train moderate... Intends to train... ...Syrian rebels, but can the U.S. rely on them? Margaret Brennan put that question to a rebel leader today in New York. I love this. Hey, uh, guy that we're going to give money and guns to, can we trust you? What a great person to ask that to. Wow. Now listen to the way she describes it. Again, she'll make it sound like we've never helped these people before. The administration had been reluctant to arm the Syrian rebels out of fear they'd lose control of the weapons. Okay, so the administration was reluctant, but now... Their political leader, President Hadi al-Bahra, says with the rise of ISIS, the U.S. has no choice. So now we've got to do it, because we haven't been doing it all along, right? right Chase, uh, what is the publication date on that Washington Post article on your screen right there? Uh, I'm looking at so a it's publication like, date of October 2nd, 2013. 2013, Chase? Yeah, last, last 2013. year. 2013. That's last year. Hmm. Hmm. Not well, coming up. That's interesting, Chase, because, yeah. uh, you know, I was looking at my papers here, and it's, here's what I see in that article. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first paragraph. Okay. The CIA is expanding a clandestine effort to train opposition fighters in Syria amid concerns that moderate U.S.-backed militias are rapidly losing ground in the country's civil war. Is that what you see in the first paragraph I, of an article will, from 2013 on the Washington Post? I will concur. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's on the Washington Post you see that, yeah, right, Chase? Yeah, I do, yes. Washington Post uh, of October of 2013. Yes, but yet sir. this person on CBS News talks like it's the first time they've ever heard this, uh, and I'm not sure why. Let's, maybe but, she's new. Well, you got to cut her some slack. Maybe she's no, new. Let's continue reading on, because uh, okay. maybe, yeah, because that, maybe that first paragraph is hard to understand, yeah, so yeah, we'll read another enough. paragraph. Oh, okay. Right. The CIA's mission, again, from October of 2013, the CIA's mission, officials said, has been defined by the White House as a desire to seek a political stalemate or settlement, a scenario that relies on an eventual stalemate among the warring factions rather than a clear victor. As a result, officials said, it limits the agency's authorities to enable and provide enough support. So again, they're already doing it, right? Because they're struggling now with the limitations of that support that they can provide. That's what this article is talking about. Officials who spoke on a condition of anonymity, 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 discussed in intel- in, 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 that said the agency has sent additional paramilitary, paramilitary military teams to secret bases in Jordan in recent weeks in a push to double the number of rebel fighters getting CIA instruction and weapons before being sent back to Syria. Dang. 
<laughs> right there on the Washington Post from 2003. Now, here's another article on the Washington Post. Look at this one, Chase. September 11th, 2013. Boy, I have to ding you. Uh, that you, you thank you. Yeah. The CIA has begun delivering uh, weapons to rebels in Syria, ending months of delay in lethal aid that had been promised by the Obama administration, according to U.S. officials and Syrian figures. The shipments began streaming into the country over the past two weeks, along with separate deliveries by the State Department of vehicles, maybe those, Toyota trucks. Those white trucks. Yep. And other gear, a flow of material that makes a, marger es- a major escalation of the U.S.'s role in the Syrian civil war. And this is from September 11th, 2013. Wait. Every time you mention September So, for some reason, I'm having a hard time understanding the first few sentences from this clip. To counter the Assad dictatorship and ISIS... The Obama administration intends to train moderate Syrian rebels, but can the U.S. rely on them? Margaret Brennan put that question to a rebel leader today in New York. The administration had been reluctant to arm the Syrian rebels out of fear they'd lose control. So Wait, if- I know what it is, Chris. I, already, I know. The administration is not the CIA. <laughs> Uh, I think it actually is. To tell you oh, the truth. Uh, man, so, but I thought I had it. This is inexcusable. This is not an accident. No. This is intentional. No, this is not. how every news agency is talking about this when they know we've been doing it. We played a clip last week from the Ed Schultz show where they said, yeah, they told us we've been doing this. We have played a clip of President Obama saying there is no such thing as moderate Syrian rebels. That is President Obama that said that. Well, they're counting on the American people and probably the world audience as well not to remember what happened just a year ago, the what th- they've been doing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And uh, I, I, what I'm having a fundamental issue with all of this ISIS stuff, and yes, people are dying. I, my fundamental problem that I can't get past yeah. is that we are not talking about this. Right. Because what, we've been doing it, and now we, we are the cause yes, of this. We are the cause of the people we are... We, are fighting the very people we yeah. armed and trained. Yeah. Uh, and I have more details in the show notes about the training bases in Jordan, about the 20,000 fig chase. They project that they have trained 20,000 people. That's an army. Don't you find it interesting that Bill O'Reilly said 25,000? I thought that was extremely interesting. I'm glad you caught that, too. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. That's very interesting. Uh, all right. So, uh, you know, the other thing we forget so quickly is, remember the terror alerts, the different color levels? Oh, yeah. Well, they still use those in oh, England, yeah. don't Oh, they? it's all... Well, it's, we're good. I, think we, I think we need to bring it back here because the FBI and the DHS are warning of an imminent attack on the U.S. homeland by <gasps> ISIS. <laughs> First, the warnings of retaliation. <laughs> Top intelligence officials urging Americans to, quote, be vigilant, be vigilant as these airstrikes continue. And what does that mean exactly? All right, let's parse this. All right, so we need to be vigilant because we're doing airstrikes. So let's parse what the, what we need to be vigilant of. Are you ready? See if you can catch what the threat is. All right. Good morning. I'm Bill Hemmer, and welcome here to America's Newsroom. Good morning, Martha. Morning, Bill. Good morning, everybody. I'm Martha McCallum. So both the FBI and Homeland Security say that they fear lone wolves could be inspired to act. The Pentagon saying airstrikes have already helped. Th- we got lone wolves in this clip, and we have a new meme. It's actually, we, it snuck in one other day, but we didn't catch it. Let's see if you catch it today. Report a terror plot. We know they were planning attacks against Western targets, either in Europe 
or in the U.S. homeland. This is the Pentagon spokesperson. We also know that they were very close to the end game on those planning efforts, uh, and they were getting close to execution of an actual attack. So Doug McElway picks it up from there. Doug, good morning to you in Washington. Okay, so pretty vague. We know they were close to executing a plan of an attack, not close to executing the attack, but close to executing a plan of attack. Uh, so we got a DHS and FBI have issued warnings. We have flight advisories that have been issued. What exactly are they warning in this new bulletin? What do you suppose it is, Chase? Mm, an imminent threat? I'm thinking a nuke, right? I mean, it's got to be something big. Big? A, oh, oh. Uh, what about like a really diabolical way no, to bring no, no. a bullet into the U.S.? Di- oh, you, you just stole it from Sorry, me. Buddy, sorry, ah! buddy. Sorry, buddy. Here, let's see if he tells us what it is. Well, Bill, the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security say they have no evidence of precise terror planning inside the United States. Oh, wait, what? 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 Uh, what? But there is concern that yesterday's huh? strikes in Syria and the continued targeting of ISIS and the Khorasan group targets may inspire such lone wolf attacks here. Oh! oh. This document Damn. reads in part, quote, We believe these strikes will contribute to homegrown violent extremists or HVEs, broader grievances. About- Did you catch it? No. This is the new term we're using now. And this is the second week in a row I've picked it up. Listen for it. He actually stumbles first. We believe these strikes will contribute to homegrown violent extremists or HVEs. HVEs. The new term is HVEs. Homegrown. But he almost said HIV. Because it's such a freaking joke. And it's probably probably the mental linguistics they're trying to do is connect the two. It's a sickness that's spreading through our country. The homegrown violent extremist. Broader grievances about U.S. military intervention in predominantly Muslim lands. Possibly motivating homeland attacks by HVEs. Those single events generally do not provoke an immediate response from HVEs. So HVEs, because all HVEs are the same, are provoked by military action somewhere in the world that the U.S. is taking, however, not immediately provoked. Ergo, it could be a while, so we just need to be really worried about HVEs for quite a while. National Security Advisor Susan Rice was asked about these homegrown threats during an interview just (laughs) today on the Today Show. What about the HVEs? We do not have any indications at the present of active uh, concrete plotting by ISIL against the United States uh, homeland. So the answer to that at this stage is no. But we do know, Matt, that they're they're dangerous. They have threatened Americans, killed Americans in the region. And this follows last week's revelation by Utah Congressman Jason Chaffetz before U.S. attacks were launched in Syria. All right, all right. We're about to get some specifics from from a lawmaker. Are you ready for the specifics? Yeah, go for it. This is really what we've been waiting for because, I mean, they did breaking news on this. They interrupted the the flow. We've issued warnings to all all endpoints. All media outlets have been warned. So now, because this guy, the Pentagon spokesperson, couldn't give us the official details, I'm sure this lawmaker can. He asked DHS Secretary Jay Johnson, quote, I have reason to believe that on September 10th, There were actually four individuals trying to cross through the Texas border who were apprehended at two different stations that do have ties to known terrorist organizations in the Middle East. But wasn't that debunked? Yeah. Johnson replied to that, quote, I've heard reports to that effect. I don't know the accuracy of the reports or how much credence to give them. Chaffetz added that 13 Syrians, six Iraqis and four Iranians were also apprehended at the border. Nope. So what do we know more about this group, Coruscant? We're getting deeper into this now, Doug, and the leader. What can we report about him today? Well, we know that the, the leader uh, is age 33, born in Kuwait. He ran an al-Qaeda cell in Iran. He was a top aide to Osama bin Laden. Hey-o. He is also said to be one of the very few people to know about the 9-11 attacks before yeah, they actually there happened. there we go! And in February of this year, Wait. he was instrumental in getting al-Qaeda to separate itself from ISIS. The U.S. has offered a $7 million reward for information leading 
to his arrest. All right, more on Bill. that. Thank you, Doug McKelvey, leading so, our coverage um, in Washington this morning. Thank you, Doug. Yeah, thanks, Doug, for all those specifics. <laughs> that was really how, like how how much more vague? I know. Can like, you get in a report? Essentially, that was. We just want you all to be really scared. And and you know what? Rudy and, Giuliani's listening, and Rudy Giuliani is scared. He's very worried. Well, wait, what? Wait, he's not a mayor anymore. Well, that doesn't mean he shouldn't go out to the U.N. meeting that they're having right now, fly out there, and then have an interview with Wolf Blitzer about something he knows nothing about. What about the new threat of Americans returning home after fighting with terror groups? Joining us now, Rudy Giuliani. He was the mayor of New York uh, on 9-11. Mr. Mayor, thanks very much for coming in. Nice to be with you, Wolf. What worries you more, and you know a lot about this subject, an organized Al-Qaeda-like attack which occurred on 9-11, or these lone wolves who might be coming back, who might be inspired, if you will, to go ahead and kill some Americans. I hate to say it, but I think the lone wolves uh, <gasps> worry me more. Why? Why? Because they're harder to follow. They're harder to track. Woo! It's harder to get intelligence. More innocent! Uh, with, with Al-Qaeda, with the organized groups, uh, there's, a, there's a chance for How infiltration. How dare you have there's freedom? There's a chance for uh, a surveillance, uh, electronic surveillance. There are international communications. When you have things like this, uh, uh, this ISIS leader saying, you know, go off and do your own thing, nobody has to communicate with anybody. So, uh, and I think our level of intelligence about ISIS is not at the same level that our level of intelligence about al-Qaeda was. I agree about that. <laughs> Hell. <laughs> so in that way, uh, it frightens me more. Now, so far, they haven't shown the capacity that al-Qaeda had for the kind of attack they did on September 11. So maybe... Maybe uh, uh, three times uh, we're, so far. We're, we're exaggerating it a bit, but I think it's but, better. But they do it's have. Better, it's better to, to exaggerate this yeah. than it is and to scare uh, to you. Uh, Giuliani is literally saying right now, it's better at to the scare. United Nations yeah. that we are scaring you and exaggerating. Do it's have. Better, it's better to, to exaggerate. And you can hear maybe, Wolf jumping in, like, wait, 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 maybe, wait, 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 Excellent uh, recruiting techniques, yeah. propaganda videos they have are very print. sophisticated, the ones they're putting out. They have really good propaganda videos. That's I want to play the end of that again, because that's I, we, let's let, I'm going to let that just play, because that is what uh, remarkable. What about the new threat of Americans returning home after All right, so I think it's about with here. So maybe, maybe uh, uh, we're, we're, we're exaggerating it a bit, but I think it's but, better. But they do it's have. Better, it's better to, to exaggerate this. Yeah. than it is to uh, to take it lightly. Because they do have excellent uh, recruiting techniques. Propaganda videos are very sophisticated, the ones they're putting out. <laughs> Just like, really? Really? That's your go-back-to is the fake debunked videos? Yeah, you, you, know, uh, you, you know, I always love good production value, and, yeah. uh, you know, the, the production value of their stuff is remarkable. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, and uh, you got to, have you wondered, you know, we, you realize we've gone this far into it, and you haven't asked me, what's Putin think? What about Iran? What's Iran think about us you know dropping what? bombs? I, I, uh, I left my what would oh, Putin do right, right, yeah. bracelet at home. You always got to ask yourself. Well, it turns what, out. Is he, was he fighting an alligator this time? <laughs> or uh, wait, no. wait, when he gave his opinion, was he wearing a shirt? Uh, no, he was uh, riding a bear. <laughs> I mean, we're getting reports that our own Andrea Mitchell asked President Rouhani of Iran about the strikes, and he, in fact, said that they were illegal. Uh, Iran is mainly a Shia nation. They had been supporters of Bashar al-Assad, but they're also quite wary of ISIS. What do you make of those comments? 
Well, this is uh, something we've seen in the last couple of weeks. There have been growing concern as to whether or not the U.S. had the proper authorization, both from its own Congress, whether or not the authorization issued back in 2011 was enough for the U.S. to act militarily inside Syria, but more importantly on an international level. Now, it's not only Iran that has come out and uh, questioned the legality of these attacks, so too has Russia, saying that the U.S. should have coordinated better with the Syrian regime. Syria itself had warned the U.S. not to carry out these strikes without coordinating and said it was willing to participate. But many people felt that if the U.S. did, in fact, uh, extend that branch to the Syrian regime or perhaps even brought Iran to the table, much to the disappointment of Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, uh-huh. it was going to give President Bashar al-Assad some legitimacy, which they simply did not want to do. So the comments coming out of Iran, not particularly surprising, uh, but nonetheless just giving you a sense of how complex the situation is. Yeah, no kidding. Very much so. Uh, and uh, did you know that uh, today we mm. saw another round of strikes? Today, just a little bit before we went on air, yeah. actually. So yeah. uh, we'll cover those now, too. That's just breaking. Admiral, thanks very much for joining us. First of all, update us on th- this new round of U.S. and Arab allied airstrikes. What's going on? Happening right now. The strikes just ended moments ago, Wolf. Uh, it was uh, against 12 targets in eastern Syria. These 12 targets were what we call modular oil refineries. So they're oil refineries, not oil fields, huh. but, uh, but actual refineries. Huh. Uh, they were uh, struck with precision-guided munitions over the course of about an hour and a half this afternoon uh, by both U.S. and coalition aircraft. In fact, there were more coalition aircraft in the skies on these particular missions than there were U.S. flights. Hey-o. Wow. Which coalition partners participated? Saudi Arabia participated, as did the United Arab Emirates. And, and they, they dropped more bombs, pre- precision missiles or whatever than the U.S. did. Is that what you're saying, Admiral? Well, we're, we're still working on I don't have an exact number of actual munitions dropped. I can tell you they were all precision-guided munitions. Uh, but what I am saying is that the majority of the aircraft uh, on these missions uh, were actually coalition aircraft and not U.S. So these 12 targets, tell us why they were selected. These are, uh, these are oil refineries, as I said, modular oil refineries. They account for roughly, on average, about $2 million a day of revenue for ISIL. So they're an important revenue stream for these guys. Uh, they are in a remote part of eastern Syria, so we know that uh, we, were, we were not, there wasn't a, a big risk of uh, causing any collateral damage or civilian casualties. Uh, these are oil refiners. And I will tell you that one of the things that we really focused on uh, was the infrastructure around the refineries itself. Uh, you know, their birthing and their communications equipment and, uh, and the, the methods of control over the refineries business that we were really trying to get at. We're going to do a battle damage assessment throughout the night. Uh, And hopefully tomorrow morning we'll have a much better sense of how well we did. Again, these strikes have just now ended. The aircraft are all safely back on deck, but that's only happened in the last 20 minutes. And so I take it all all U.S., uh, Saudi, uh, UAE aircraft left safely. There was no problem as far as that was concerned, right? That is right, Wolf. All the aircraft, all the pilots have returned safe and sound. Uh, my, my other guess is this is only just the beginning. Uh, ISIS can anticipate a whole lot more. Is that right? Absolutely, Wolf. We're going to keep the pressure on them. We said that yesterday. This is the beginning of a long effort. The United States military is poised and ready to contribute to that effort for as long as it takes. There will be more. There will be more. For years. 
Do you have a complete bomb damage assessment from the first couple of rounds of the- We can stop it there because of the delay. <laughs> uh, I found it By to the be- way, you notice a little CNN Fox, or, or I want to say CNN Fox fact box. You yeah, know, you like showing that? showing the fa- Falcon, the Tomahawk, the, the missile. The missile. And, yeah. It's like, come on. They go on, he goes on to talk about how this will be a uh, long-term strategy and that they are warning their Arab partners to be in this for the long haul and that this is just the beginning of a longer campaign. Oh, man. Good times, right? Oh, yeah. Well, hey, you know, whatever keeps the military industrial complex going hey uh hey. chase yes chris this uh can you how would you how would you pronounce that that last name right there can you read that right there? uh uh kamal no, which one that. look at right there what uh, uh cantile cantile see yeah. i would have said can't lie c-n-t-c-a-n-t-l-i-e can't uh, lie right <laughs> i would have I read that as can't uh, lie have yeah. you heard of john can't can't uh, no i have not Interesting. This is not getting a lot of play in the in the Western media. It is getting play uh, over in Europe, uh, but it's not getting much here. And this is really kind of a big deal. Okay. Um, so John Cantley, uh, he Cantley, sorry, uh, was a uh, f- photographer and a correspondent who was kidnapped in Syria along with James Foley. They were over there together uh, to film a documentary. They have some film production experience. Okay. I'm sure that's unrelated to the videos that have come out. Probably not. And they were kidnapped together. Uh, uh, The Young Turks will do a quick setup, and then we'll get into some pretty mind-blowing stuff. ISIS has released yet another hostage uh, video, in this case with the British journalist John Cantley. Um, For once, he is not being held, you know, on his knees with weapons to his head. He's behind a desk. Um, We're not going to be showing you the video, but we do have a few quotations from it because we want you to understand the context and what... Don't worry, we will show you the video. ...differentiates this video from previous ISIS ISIS hostage videos. Um, But just understand a little bit about John Cantley's past. Uh, He was a reporter for the Sunday Times, The Sun, and The Sunday Telegraph. He was captured and then later freed by the Free Syrian Army. He then went back to Syria in 2012 along with James Foley, uh, one of the American journalists uh, beheaded by ISIS in one of the previous videos. So uh, he goes back after getting freed to Syria to film a documentary about the whole thing with James Foley. They went together. And so we we know what happened to James Foley. He was in that first beheading or second beheading video. I can't remember now. I believe it's the first one. John Cantley has put out a series, and I do mean series, of videos now, which apparently are going to be episodic and they are coming from the same location with a different with the green screen turned off that the beheadings were shot at. Check this out. This is legit. Okay. This is the video that James Cantley put out and it's called uh, I think uh, lend me your ear and it's a message from the British det- British detainee John Cantley. And this is him on this video trying to do like a broadcast out to the world. It's crazy and I want to play all of this for you because it hasn't been played in a lot of places. Okay. Hello. My name is John Cantley. I'm a British journalist who used to work for some of the bigger newspapers and magazines in the UK, including the Sunday Times, the Sun, and the Sunday Telegraph. In November 2012, I came to Syria, where I was subsequently captured by the Islamic State. All right, let's stop right here. So uh, let's just take a minute to sort of observe the scene we're seeing. Uh, He's standing, uh, or he's sitting at a table. Right. The the blackness of the background to me suggests that it's a green screen where instead of inserting a background, you just remove all elements because right. it's, it's a dead black background. That's generally right. how you do that. Yeah. Uh, that's we could do that if we wanted to. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you could also, by the way, put in uh, sand and, and mountains and yard. You could put anything in that green screen right there. Uh, and I also don't believe that audio effect is coming from the room. I think that is a post processing echo effect. Oh, really? Don't you listen to it? I think so too. Uh, yeah, listen I, to it. I'll now nearly two years later. 
Mm. I think. See, you see how it. So a real echo doesn't end no. at the same time every time. Right. Uh, but but a, a, a an effect has the same echo length. Right. Yeah. And you'll notice that it, it drops off at the same time every time. Many things have changed, including the expansion of the Islamic State to include large areas of eastern Syria and western Iraq, a landmass bigger than Britain and many other nations. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking he's only doing this because he's a prisoner. He's got a gun at his head and he's being forced to do this, right? Well, it's true. I am a prisoner. That I cannot deny. But seeing as I've been abandoned by my government and my fate now lies in the hands of the Islamic State, I have nothing to lose. Maybe I will live and maybe I will die. But I want to take this opportunity to convey some facts that you can verify. Facts that, if you contemplate, might help preserving lives. Over the next few programs, I'm going to show... Over the next few programs. So this is going to be an ongoing thing. Right. An ongoing series. Which is super intense, if you think about it. Yeah. ...the truth as the Western media tries to drag the public back to the abyss of another war with the Islamic State. After two disastrous and hugely unpopular wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, why is it that our governments appear so keen to get involved in yet another unwinnable conflict? I'm going to show you the truth behind the systems and motivation of the Islamic State and how the Western media, the very organization I used to work for, the organization, can twist and manipulate that truth for the public back home. There are two sides to every story. Think you're getting the whole picture? And I'll show you the truth behind what happened when many European citizens were imprisoned and later released by the Islamic State and how the British and American governments thought they could do it differently to every other European country. They negotiated with the Islamic State and got their people home while the British and Americans were left behind. So that's three cameras I count in this shoot, by the way. Are you I sure that they're not cutting? flipping the image? Maybe, or cutting and then starting up and picking it again, maybe. Yeah. It's very alarming to see where this is all headed, and it looks like history repeating itself yet again. There is time to change this seemingly inevitable sequence of events, but only if you, the public, act now. Join me for the next few programs, and I think you may be surprised at what you learn. So I want to stop right here. So we are being fucked with. Absolutely guaranteed. No question about it. That echo oh. is fake, and I think that echo has been added to make it look like he's in some big hall. He's probably in some room that's smaller than the room we're sitting in right now. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if this guy's legit. I don't know what the hell to think about this, but I do know that this is some form of propaganda on somebody's side. Oh, totally. Uh, and it is mind-blowing what do, we are do, seeing right do now. Do we know? Uh, I mean... Gosh, we we have no idea which side. No, <laughs> right. So uh, I haven't. So I've watched that one. I haven't watched the second episode yet, and I have it right here. So let's watch the second episode, and because it just I think it's coming out every Thursday. Are you wrapping your brain around what I am telling you yeah, right now? Yeah, this I, is an ISIS prisoner sitting in the same garb that the people they beheaded were wearing, supposedly giving us messages from his entrapment in some big echo chamber. Are you are you processing this? This is unbelievable. This is like from a freaking movie. Here's episode two. Let's watch it together. 
Uh, and again, it is. It starts. It's titled with uh, "Lend Me Your Ear," and it's uh, it's in English. A message from the British detainee John Cantley. Cantley, sorry. And then it's in Arabic or Arabic or whatever. Uh, and then it starts. And it's not other than that. There's no production done to it. And the echo effect. That's it. Hello, my name is John Cantley. I'm a British journalist who used to work for some of the bigger newspapers and magazines in the UK, including the Sunday Times. Did they just pull this from the first clip? I don't know. Is it? Maybe did I grab the wrong clip? And the Sunday Telegraph. I don't think so. In November 2012, I came to Syria, where I was subsequently captured by the Islamic State. Now, nearly two years later, many things have changed. I think it is the same. I think it was just titled wrong. Darn. Here's what's really crazy. Let me fast forward because I did jump ahead. Yeah, this is. Here's what's really nuts. And I'll see if I can find it on YouTube real quick because you can find these on YouTube. And get ready for this, Chase. All right. They block out the images on YouTube. And if you don't gray, if you don't blur out the image, and they're just like pictures of Bashir al-Assad, they're not gory images. Yeah. If you don't block it out, YouTube pulls down the video saying it, it, it contains obscene content. Oh, because of their content ID, it's already. Like, I don't know. Pre- I don't know why. I don't know. That's why. weird. Uh, all right, so I'll try. I'll try going uh, to get John can't can't lie again. Uh, what What are your first impressions over after that first video? It's it's one of those things where it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that we have a, you know, even though the the Hello, ba- ta- oh, found it. All right, taking the backgrounds out of it for a moment, you know, the background noise and the production value, because, you know, as us technically-minded guys, we will sometimes hone in on that. But taking that out of the equation for a minute, it's really hard to believe that this is out there. This is unprecedented. Mm-hmm. This has never been done before. Like Not that this. I know of. Uh, yeah. And it's so, so at this point, it's hard for me to believe... Right, what you're seeing? What I'm seeing is what I'm seeing. All right, let's watch episode two together. I'm John Cantley, the British citizen abandoned by my government and a long-term prisoner of the Islamic State. In this program, we'll see how the Western governments are hastily marching towards all-out war in Iraq and Syria without paying any heed to the lessons of the recent past and how they're using the persuasive approach to lure the public back into the conflict. So, let's get straight to the point with a quote from former CIA chief turned vigorous anti-intervention... See how it's blurred out? That's just a dude. It's just a dude. But if you don't blur out the dude, they pull it off YouTube. ...campaigner Michael Schiller. President Obama does not have the slightest intention of defeating the Islamic State, he says, which would require the aerial slaughter and boots-on-the-ground demolishing of the Mujahideen. Michael Schuer, whose knowledge of the Muslim nations and the complexities of their society is considerable, adds, 18 years into our war with the Islamists, the U.S. government has given no public sign that it has the slightest awareness of what its enemies are fighting for. Now, there are two solid points here. The Obama administration is so perplexed as they march back into Iraq that they're tap dancing around the issue in a we're getting involved but we're not really getting involved kind of way. You know, airstrikes only, no troops on the ground, limited operation time, no mission creep. 
all those pre-combat agreements that tend to get forgotten after the first six months of nasty tough stuff. The pre-9-11 Afghans are already back in control of large areas of Afghanistan, while the full might of the American war machine couldn't destroy the Islamic State in Iraq before. So now the state is far stronger than ever it was. What is this? The state. The fact that they're referring to it as the state, that, yeah, this, this is really something. Latest ill-advised foray really supposed to achieve. And Shua's second point is aptly made. As ever, the entire reason as to why we're at war with the Islamists and what they're fighting for is brilliantly avoided by all. Senior U.S. politicians seem content to call the Islamic State nasty names. Awful, vile, a cancer, an insult to our values. But such petty insults don't really do much harm to the most powerful jihadist movement seen in recent history. That the Western governments were caught napping by the sheer speed of the Islamic State's growth is now a given. Intelligence officials failed to anticipate the emergence of the Islamic State, says Tom Keane, a former New Jersey governor. We certainly didn't anticipate them going across the border into Iraq and declaring themselves a caliphate. All right, I can see a curtain in this one. I don't think that is a green screen. Oh, yeah, I see it right there. You notice, too, the same mic dressing as the beheading videos? Yeah. Obama and his allies were well and truly caught by surprise. The president once called George Bush's if, Iraq conflict a you know, I, I, I The more I think about it from a technical standpoint, that effect is being added. And the only reason why is if you have a decent enough lav, even a crappy lav, you're not going to get a lot of room right. noise. It's, that echo is totally added. Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, too, if this ever. blurring wasn't added by them. In a way, oh, oh to, as, to, as just to, to add that, oh, they're pulling it down. Just like in the beheading videos, yeah, they never show the beheading, but yet actual videos from ISIS, they rip guys' hearts out. Like the actual videos that actual ISIS members have released are the most disgustingly brutal thing you've ever seen. But then when they go to scare all the West and release beheading videos, they edit around the beheadings, right? It's... And couldn't wait to distance America from it when he came into power. Now he's being inexorably drawn back in, but he's at point pains to point out this is not the equivalent of the Iraq war. Indeed, it's far more complicated and prone to failure. There is a newly elected pro-American Iranian regime in Iraq. They wait eagerly for further American intervention to strengthen the Iranian crescent in the Middle East. But the appointment of a new puppet is an important piece of the puzzle in America's Gulf War III, as it allows them to get involved quickly via a proxy. Iraq's leaders should know that the United States will stand shoulder to shoulder with Iraqis as they implement their national plan, gushed John Kerry on the 9th of September, meaning our national plan to tackle the Islamic State. Everyone now is getting involved. Edit. Denmark and France have sent air power. Britain is arming the Kurds. Iran is sending troops. Contractors are being sought in Iraq. And even Bashar al-Assad, until earlier this year, the most hated and villainized tyrant in the Arab world, is being approached for permission to enter Syria. Can the Islamic State be defeated without addressing that part of their organization that resides in Syria? Asked General Martin Dempsey. The answer is no. It's all quite a circus. 
airstrikes, the creation of last-minute puppet governments, advisory teams on the ground, wooing previous enemies to join in, and trans-border incursions into a country. The creation of last-minute governments, so what could he be? that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the UN help glue it and, you know, f*** the EU. It's been in a state of civil war for three years all the while completely underestimating the strength and fighting zeal of the opponent. Not since Vietnam have we witnessed such a potential mess in the making. Current estimates of 15,000 troops needed to fight the Islamic State are laughably low. The state has more mujahideen than this, and this is not some undisciplined outfit with a few Kalashnikovs. We started with Michael Schuer, so let's give him the final word for now. Think what you will of the Islamists and their brand of war-making, he says. But they have been in the field fighting since 1979, and their movement has never been larger, more popular, or as well-armed as it is today. Join me again for the next program. The next one, Chase, the next one. What do you think? Your thoughts, sir. All right, all right. So I've been thinking about this. And, you know, sometimes the first reaction is the, the, the best one to go with. First, we haven't heard a lot about this on the news. Actually, and I did hear a little bit of, from his first thing on, I, I want to mm-hmm. say, on the radio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it was just the speech, and I forget the context talking about it. But for the most part, mainstream media has not been covering it. Because I believe there's a twofold thing happening. I think you you got your talking points. You got uh, from, from our government pushing to the mainstream media – what we need to hammer on, right. what we need to follow on the script. Right. And so I think they're just already discounting that they're saying that this guy, uh, Cantley, is not a prisoner and that he is a actor, if you will, giving propaganda okay. for the Islamic State. Okay. Whoop, for, hi there. Jeez, yeah. that's a big phone, Chase. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and so that's why we're not seeing mainstream. The other thing, too, is he brought up a point during that video that we brought up before Mm -hmm. about, well, gee, you know, we installed the government, of course. I actually don't feel like he brought up anything that isn't already known. Right, exactly. There's nothing new. If you're going to do this, give us something real to work with. Right. This is episode two. I got nothing. He's bringing up the same talking points that we've actually brought up on our show. Right. And and painted the picture and tried to give everybody. But he's not giving any. He's like at least when we bring it up, we're giving links, we're playing clips. He's not. It's just we're just supposed to take his word for this stuff. So which means ISIL is downloading unfilter. That's that's (laughs) that's what it means. All right, I have a little bit of homework. Okay, I want everybody to do this. Even you, I want everybody to do this. It's not a super long read in the show notes in really big text. You cannot miss it. It is the biggest, boldest thing in the show notes. How. And why we are in Syria is all explained in the Syrian Wars of Proxy. It is a four-point breakdown of the different reasons, and it's not all just ours. These Arab nations that are helping us have a lot of reasons to want to be in Syria. This article, do you have it up right there? Uh, It should be in big text. This one right here. Yeah, that real big one, Chase. The real real big one. The real big one. Chase, that's heading two. That's what that was. That was heading two. I think everybody's hitting the website. There it goes. There you go. So this is the Syrian Wars of Proxy. See, if you scroll down, he's got a four-point list down a little bit further down. Yep, see that right there? Right there. If you read this, now you'll know why we're in Syria. So go do yourself a favor. It's about the money. It's... Uh, it's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of a things lot of political influence and things like that. Um, I want to I want to play a clip. Uh, uh, William I think it's Egdal stopped by. Uh, he's an American freelance journalist. Uh, he's done a ton of uh, digging on uh, uh, conflicts in the past. Uh, he's obviously not a big uh, proponent of what we're doing 
in uh, Syria and Iraq right now, and he comes on RT, and this is really interesting. This was a super, super last-minute booking. The uh, the guy, the RT host, has no idea what this oh. guy's... So this isn't a setup. This is not a setup. This, is- this guy just says it like it is, and I love every word out of this guy's mouth. I want to play it a little bit for you. Let's get some thoughts from geopolitical expert William Engdahl joining us now live. William, hi there. Thanks for coming on at short notice. It's Kevin here you're talking to. So he didn't even know the host's name. He didn't even know who he was going to talk to. They, they just got the connection established. Obama's promised to eradicate the extremist ideology. Um, do you believe the U.S. military campaign will help towards this end, though? Well, I think there's a schizophrenia in Washington in the last days. I've been following this rather closely. I think the... Uh, ISIS is really a false flag operation. All evidence points to CIA, Israeli intelligence, creating ISIS in order to provide the pretext for the war uh, inside Syria and Iraq, but mainly Syria, to get rid of Bashar al-Assad. I think there's a shift in the last few days of the Obama administration, and I believe, this is a hypothesis, that uh, Putin is playing a personal mediating role, as he did last August 2013, in defusing the uh, launch of war by the U.S. Uh, against Bashar. Let me just get this straight. Let me just get this straight. Because a lot of our viewers around the world are going to be going, what, conspiracy theorists? That's not how they're going to see this. You say ISIS is basically something that's been made for America America to go in and attack Saddam Hussein, yes, eventually. Yes, that's what I'm saying. The, the, the jihadists have been trained in secret CIA and U.S. Special Forces bases inside Turkey and inside Jordan over the past year. Obama uh, administration refused to give military help when, when al-Maliki's government... You know, it's been interesting. Turkey won't really... Not yet. I mean, maybe they will, but yet they haven't really said what they're going to do. They said, yeah, we're in the coalition, but we're not really going to tell you what we're doing. Yeah. And I think part of it is because maybe what they're doing is just they're just going to stop training more ISIS soldiers. Right. Maybe that's all they're going to do. Maybe. Iraq was begging for it more than a year ago. And then when, when ISIS uh, makes this horrendous military victory, and if you look at the personnel, the commanders, they're from Chechnya, they're, they're, uh, it's an extremely dubious collection. Al-Baghdadi, some people uh, say that's a manufactured name. Uh, so the, the, the whole thing really stinks, the, the whole ISIS scare. And I think that is someone's well, it, concoction it's, to well, provide a pretext for military intervention. But, of course, on the ground, it's more than a scare if you're um, in the path of these guys. You've seen yeah, so yeah. many people killed. Now, you've yeah. just seen uh, thousands, thousands fleeing from them. Now, you've just seen another hostage video putting more fear into more people. This French guy now that uh, appears to have been beheaded. Yeah. Well, um, the hostage video videos are another subject. I, I'm not convinced they're, uh, they're accurate at all, but uh, that's another subject. Oh. But nevertheless, our thoughts, of course, <laughs> to that guy's family tonight. Um, can we expect yes, the U.S.-led anti-ISIS uh, coalition to turn its weapons against Syria's um, Bashar al-Assad any time soon? Then, on your reasoning, I guess we will, yeah? Well, the neoconservatives, the neocons around the Obama administration devoutly hope and pray that that will be the case, that this will be their excuse to launch the war against uh, al-Assad that they've been hoping for for two and a half years now. Uh, there are indications that factions within the U.S. military senior command uh, are not uh, going to allow that to happen. And there's a, I, I think there's an intense faction fight inside the Obama administration. There are hints of that in the last two or three days. William, we know you've got your ear to the ground. That's why we have you on the program. I know a lot of uh, viewers maybe might not see it the way you do, but it's very good and interesting to get your take on it. Certainly is an eye-opener to think about it, if nothing less. Uh, thanks very, very much for now, William. 
Yeah, wow. I thought that was an interesting take. Yeah, totally. And uh, you got a lot, a lot of balls to go on there and say that. Yeah. I thought. Wow. Yeah. So uh, we'll watch for the next John Cantlay sh- show. And uh, if it comes out on Thursday, we'll play it in the next Unfilter for yeah, you. Yeah, we'll it's see. It's pretty, pretty, pretty incredible. I, I mean, it's just really unspeakable to put it into terms because it's never it's been it's unprecedented it's not like anything it's I, it's I maybe don't. in the past and we just haven't heard i mean but i've never see the thing is is like youtube is new and be the uh, the ability for just anybody to upload a video that can get a decent connection is new ish yeah and it's really something and it is such a great platform to screw with people's minds it could be uh, I've, I've, so I've seen a couple of different theories about these videos and one theory is that you know it is somebody has stockholm syndrome Right, and he's he's getting sympathy for his captors, and he's mad that he wasn't rescued, and so he wants to strike out. That would be probably the most um, yeah. That would probably be the most charitable yeah uh, interpretation. Sure. The f- sort of the opposite end of that spectrum I that. I've heard is uh, that uh, this is more of a complete CIA psyop in the sense that you need to create a narrative of oh no look at us we're we're we don't know our story we it is part of creating a larger broader narrative of understanding what making a complex bad guy that we have to go after and that, that that it is intentionally designed for people that are internet savvy to go find this to reach to them because right. you got the mainstream propaganda you're pushing up people's throats but a lot of people are avoiding secondary. that right so this is another right. channel you've also got the churches that's a channel you can push things down right so these are all different platforms they yeah. can use to convince the public about moving forward and actually having a guy there he becomes the face of isis he becomes the bad guy of isis and we now we have somebody to look at i made that could be it too could be, could be something in the middle who knows we'll pretty see, damn crazy as they say we'll see what happens next week uh we have if uh, just looking in the overtime folder uh if you if you're an unfiltered supporter and you have the uh, supporter sync the overtime folder has a lot more isis Huge. stuff in it but we just we cannot spend two hours on isis it, even though it feels like we could every single Week, but you know, Chase, we do like to end things on a high note. On a high note, yes. And uh, oh, I, I think let's start local, and then we'll work our way out. Yeah, I, I have a problem. This is well, what. You're, all right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let me play the so clip, and you, you tell the me the clip. Pro- okay. We'll tell the clip. Pro- all right. All right. Yeah, I'll get all fired up. Right. Oh, get it fired up. King Five News. Seattle City Attorney says he's tossing out about a hundred tickets issued for smoking pot in public that were issued since January. The way that many of the tickets were written publicly embarrassed the new police chief. As Linda Byron reports, that has SPD hitting the reset button on enforcement. It's not legal to smoke pot in public in Seattle, but you see it all the time. I think sometimes folks who are visiting Seattle for the first time and they've heard about our new marijuana laws think it's a free-for-all, and it's not a free-for-all. A lot of the pot smoking is happening in Seattle's public parks, like this one near the Pike Place Market. It's a popular tourist destination. We could smell the pot just walking up. The only officers we saw around were parking enforcement. Police officers tell us they haven't known what to do since a controversy blew up over citations being handed out by Officer Randy Jokola, seen here on Bike Patrol in 2005. During the first six months of this year, Jokola issued 80% of the tickets for public pot smoking, sometimes adding snarky comments directed at the city attorney. Are you personally offended by the things written on those tickets? Yes. No, I couldn't be in office if I let things like that bother me. 
but they do. But Holmes did toss all of them out at the police chief's request. So we'll be looking again. We'll be And today the council was told it's time to hit a reset button on pot enforcement. The point here is not to issue a lot of citations. It's really to do an education to people about what the rules are. That means officers are expected to give a warning first when practical before handing out a $27 citation. Police won't take away people's marijuana, but will give them flyers, explaining that just because pot is legal doesn't mean you can use it anywhere you please. In Seattle, Linda Byron, King 5 News. Officer Jokula remains on bike patrol, but a source tells King 5 he is likely facing a three-day suspension without pay. So, <laughs> so he, I... There's a there's multifacets to my complaint. Welcome here. to our cannabis legalization minutia, everybody. Right. This is what you're going to be facing. So, so what the news fails to remind everybody about? Hello, everybody. Is first off, Seattle City Attorney Pete Holmes mm, was the guy who was in line, right? For, well, even before that, the, he, oh. d- during during the uh, the whole initiative drive. And in the initiative, they talked about how it's illegal, not just in Seattle, by the way, not in just this is statewide. That's illegal to smoke in public. Yeah, uh, it's Ill, <clears throat> just like, you know, smoking regular cigarettes yep. within like 25 feet yep. of a doorway. Yep. Uh, you can't smoke in sports stadiums, right. federal land, Indian, some Indian reservation. land. But we went through uh, hold that. on now. Oh, Come on. I know that's the no, rule. No, no, no. Hold on. All right. I'm, I'm making a point. All right. OK. All right. Go, uh, chase, I'm, go I'm chase. getting here. I'm what? getting here. So during this whole process, Pete Holmes, a Seattle City attorney, said he would enforce the law as written. He, 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 he came out and said, you know what? This is what the people voted for. He is the city's prosecutor. Mm-hmm. He's there to uh, prosecute the laws as written. Mm-hmm. Okay, not to make political statements or anything along those lines. Mm-hmm. Then what does he do on a lunch break? He goes and buys marijuana, mm-hmm. which... In itself is legal, but then he takes the marijuana back to his zero-tolerance workplace, mm-hmm. locks it in his desk mm-hmm. where you're not allowed to bring drugs. Right. And then what happens is if it was anybody else, any other city employee, they would have been probably suspended or fired. <laughs> right. True. And now they're throwing out all these tickets. They're calling it a reset button approach. But the law is still there. Right. And so you you have you this have all to these me pieces. doesn't this this doesn't to you register as just um, it's a it's a decent law, but uh, it was a there was a cop who abused it because he has a political agenda. Well, there's two people that have political agendas here: right. the city attorney yes. and the cop. The right. cop handled it improperly. Well, the cop on the tickets was writing stuff about right. He said, "You know, here you go, PD Holmes," and he right. actually wrote it on on the back of the ticket. You know. Ultimate passive aggressive behavior. That's mm-hmm. just, you know that's a whole. Guy wrote eighty. What did they say? Eighty percent of the tickets. He did. That's kind correct. of ridiculous, right? right? But then again, he also patrols an area where well, that's true. I mean, the one thing I will say is, you yeah. go down in Seattle and you walk around and you get hit in the face with pot smoke. Right. And then there are people. There are there are legitimate business owners that don't want people smoking in front of their their places of business. Mm-hmm. And you know, if Jokla is the officer working that beat. That kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, I he shouldn't have wrote the the comments though. See, the comments to me suggest that he had an agenda. So of course, now I, I, agree with I that. don't think I dropped the uh, the note in the show notes, but they made a change, a policy change on the way cops are supposed to ticket now. Like, uh, did you see that? Like, a uh, did you hear about that? Seattle cops, there's like a cops, there's like a marijuana ticket policy now that uh, has changed, and it's like it's major. 
uh, uh, they probably have it in the article I linked in the show notes, but I just didn't pull it out specifically. Uh, and I guess the, essentially the way it works is uh, it's oh I think it's like you get like you have to they have to issue you like three warnings now before they give you a ticket or something. Oh really? Like, yeah, it's like it, wow. a whole bunch of warnings. Uh, I, I, it's in the article I think I linked in the show notes. Yeah, but it's but, but, it, but it's one of those things where uh, he's also been very non-responsive to to local media. Yeah, you, you have know. to give three verbal warnings. Uh, before issuing a citation whenever practical, and not and and they've also been ordered not to seize the marijuana. See, you know, and not is, to issue citations if they're smoking on private property, even if it can be seen by others. Yeah, I uh, agree with all those. Yeah, things. yeah, it, it's it's one of those situations where the comments didn't negate the fact that an illegal act occurred per the law, and while yes, the comments were inappropriate, still a law was broken. And it's one of those situations where then when you have a city attorney selectively taking laws and saying, well, I'm going to enforce this law, but then I'm not going to enforce this law, it's a really dangerous precedent. Which law is he choosing not to? Uh, he's uh, the, the open smoking law oh, okay. by, by doing the quote-unquote reset and That's wiping because, out all the like, tickets. Well, like the chat room is saying, it's a very awkward thing to legislate. Uh, you know, you can smoke in this spot, but not in this spot. Pot's legal here, but not legal right well, here. Well, it's, it's pretty simple. If you're smoking in public, but it's you don't, illegal. You know, you don't know if that spot, in some places, you don't know if it's a private property or public. I mean, it, it could well, see how people a, walking a around with par- A city yeah, park. A park. Yeah, I get yeah, I agree. Yeah. So uh, we also have the reporter but, clip. But there's more. <laughs> uh, you know, the thing is, if we play this Tonight Show clip, because remember I played the uh, Conan clip, and that got unfiltered blocked. All I know, all you have to play is, uh, so... I'll set up the clip. YouTube like like yeah, raped me. So I when I saw this clip, I was thinking this this is this is this is America getting more and more used to the right. positive feelings of marijuana because on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon they had the Roots versus Jimmy Fallon and another guest and they uh, are so pause it right there. Okay, uh, he's going to ask the question. And this uh, is the spot I should play right here. This is the spot. Wow, so, I just like found it like that. Well, I told you it's the first question. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, all, all right. right. So, so, he, uh, so you'll see the question. All and right. remember, the majority of America, marijuana is still a Schedule One drug, illegal federally. Yeah, except right, for Washington, Cal- oh, Colorado. Name another term for marijuana. <laughs> Quest weed. Weed. So, so they go on and they do the entire. I don't. Hopefully, yeah. that won't pull you. Uh, but I found it very, very. Just, they just did that at all. That they just did that yeah, at all. That is true. I mean, yeah, they didn't yeah, do yeah. anything. Name something, or, or name another definition for crack or cocaine, right? Or L, you know, LSD right. or whatever. Yeah, that wouldn't be as. Yeah. But my my receptors went off. And I was like. You know, th- this is this is not this is intentional. I love how fast found. Oh, you think to just sort of program the oh, piece? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know what I would do if talk I was shows on TV? Are like this are always script. Remember, totally. Yeah. And you know, if I was on TV, if I was Fallon, dude, you know what I? I would be doing everything I could to make it okay because as soon as that ESCO was legalized, yeah. I'd be taking advertising for the Tonight oh, Show like yeah. nuts, right? Yeah, but we saw we saw it with Conan. Yeah. Now we're seeing yeah. it with Fallon. Right. I'm just. I. That's a trend, isn't it? I do. Letterman, the, yeah, the, maybe Letterman will go out by smoking a bowl. <laughs> so, so are the networks? Here's here's my question: Are the networks doing this because they want to be hip with the young audience? Well, no, 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 because they know that the majority of America right now thinks it should be legalized. Mm-hmm. I mean, la- then again, what do I always polls. say, Chase? What do I always say? What do you What do you always say, Chris? Show me the money! 
Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> if you remember about a year ago, yeah. maybe it was two years ago now, actually. Yeah. Uh, they started dropping the word vagina into sitcoms. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You remember this? Yes, yes, yes. And yes. Uh, the No Agenda Show picked up on that, right. and I noticed it too. Because they're making fun of the word vagina. Right. They're ta- they started talking about vaginas, and then you know what happened three months later? Mm. Vagisil commercials and things like that. Uh. So it is like a way to start, like, it's like testing the water, see if you get complaints from the audience, see if you get nasty letters and calls. But if they're you- just having fun because, you know, everybody's staying up late. You know, they grew up in the 60s. Right, oh, that's right. funny. Ha, right, ha. Right. But I found it very, very interesting that they were just openly making jokes. Some of their answers never made it up on the board. You know, they're like, whoa, really? that's how what you well, called it. The you full know? clip is, oh, really? The yeah. full clip's in the uh, supporter sync. We would play it, but we. Uh, the thing is, if we get blocked on YouTube, then like a whole bunch of countries can't watch the show and it just sucks. YouTube sucks. So, But the marijuana story of the week. And uh, this is, I believe this is a recording of the TV because all of the ones from TV are bleeped. And I wanted the full yes. thing. So yes. this is, this is. Do we, does this need any setup? No, this, this no is a reporter? just play it. All right, reporter in Alaska, right? Yep. All right. Why just quit quietly? Oh, no, I got it. Oh, no. No. Wait, I, 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 I have one. You have the, because I didn't know I even got a clip. I, I thought I, thought I, I got this the, one. I have this one. All right, uh, all right, hold for, on, Chase. All right, Chase. You play that one, and we'll go out right there. We'll play it. Hopefully, that's the unbleeped version, because it's right. better unbleeped. Yeah. Take it away, Mr. Chase. All right, here we go. Chase, I'm, I'm ready. No. Uh, it's, Chase, you can, you can play it, it now. Okay. Oh, oh, wait, my sound's turned down. You can play it now, Chase. why I, the actual owner of the Alaska Cannabis Club, will be dedicating all of my energy toward fighting for freedom and fairness, which begins with legalizing marijuana here in Alaska. And as for this job, well, not that I have a choice, but I quit. All right, we apologize for that. We'll be, we'll be right back. Mean, uh, pardon for us. Meanwhile, the vote Wait. yes on two campaign held a fundraiser last night with Gary Johnson. <laughs> that is pretty awkward, isn't it? Isn't that pretty awkward? I mean, obviously, she knew what... Oh, well, we're getting out of here quick. Mm-hmm. But she, she knew what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, obviously, Wait, they're, they're trying I, to do I a medical I had an marijuana. unbleeped version. I, I don't had, know what happened. I had one, too. And yeah. I didn't know you needed it. No, I... I you know what happens? Too many clips. This show takes a lot of damn work. And talking about a lot of work, if you guys want to support the show that is creating a show about the news you need to know, head over to patreon.com slash unfilter. You get this supporter show that we're releasing to the general public, but that's not all. You get also all the clips. Dude, that's right. Lots of stuff this week. And the Plus, stuff that we couldn't get to. You on Padre's Corner. I'll talking about me. how you used to be a, a cow farmer. That's true. Right. And uh, you guys can grab that. And the overtime folder is yes. nuts with ISIS clips. If you're, if that's your bag. Yes. Uh, and if I can find the unbleeped version of that, we'll put it in. I'll try to. I don't know what happened, man. You can be part of the conversation at unfiltered.reddit.com. We have Boom. over fifteen hundred and thirty yeah. of you. That's a great way to let us know what you want to see covered, or if you found a clip that's just as good as that lady quitting, you could submit it there. Unfiltered.reddit.com. Thanks to every one of you for making our show just a little bit better great community now chris during the course of the week people can follow what you're doing where can people go oh i would head over to twitter.com slash chris l a s bob's your uncle have you tried out twitter i have you know i follow you account do you know you know i already have one oh no what is it it's at noones n-u-n-e-s oh uh noons you mean (laughs) noons and not only noons, but you told them last time you were on the show it wasn't noons. Yeah, too. It's, yeah all right. it's all right. It's all right. And I'm very happy to say, you guys, that <laughs> after <laughs> hard work, GeekGamer.tv is Nicely back. done, sir. Thank you. Some new features, some uh, loads faster. It's nice. nice and mobile. All that fun jazz. We'll be back next week. Probably a couple more supporter shows until I get my firewall situation all straight out. Fix that firewall! I know, right? Let's tell you what. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Unfilter. We'll see you right back here next, next week. week.
There we go, Chase. Boom. Another Bob. show is in the Kanskis. JBTitles.com, everybody. Let's boat. I had three really good titles. Ugh, this this show is getting so hard with so much going on. I tell you what. I, I think sometimes I forget and lose more than makes it in the actual show. Tell you what. HVE positive. That's funny. Golf War 3. Golf with a U. Uh, bombing by Bama. Holy moly, World War 3. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, be vigilant. I, I like Golf War 3. I had... Uh, I had good one. Yeah, Golf War 3 is good. I had... Um, was it? Oh, it was good, too. I was really proud of it early, and I forgot it. Crap. Oh, well. Last chance to get yours in if you want to, or just go over to jbtitles.com and boat. Boat. So I wonder what happened to my non-bleeped version, which I didn't love. I saw a really good quality one on Facebook earlier today. And it wasn't bleeped? And it wasn't bleeped. Oh, uh, the ones I've seen have all been bleeped. Yeah, here's the non-bleeped one. It's in the, oh, it's in the overtime folder. I just swapped them around. Well, watch out for those lone wolf attacks, because we had an audio tape that calling for him, so it must be real. All right, jbtitles.com, 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 let's boat. All right. Uh, Isis and Friends, Golf War, you like Golf War 3 the most? I did. Yeah, when I saw, I when you suggested, I was like, that's brilliant. You think so? You like that one a lot? Yeah, I liked that one. Sorry. Or... or- to, to get more Google Juice, the ISIS Gulf War. That's my suggestion. Hmm, does that make sense, the ISIS Gulf War? Well, I mean, it doesn't have to make, per, you, know, uh, you know. Yeah, I guess we... Hey, Chase. Uh, you know, I think maybe if we just had a little inspiration. What the heck's going on over there? That Was that me? Yeah, it must be. Oh, um, maybe suddenly he, something messed up. He's got the Mac. Yeah. Uh, all right, Chase. I didn't want to do it. I wasn't going to do it. I was going to avoid doing it, but things happen, Chase. I can't help it. What can I say? I'm driving off laughing. This is what uh, I say. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it again. I'm off laughing. This is what I'll say. Fuck the EU. Oh, man. How come it just never even gets old a little bit? Why would it? It's that good. I suppose so. All right. uh, While we wait for the boats to come in, I was going to play a George Carlin clip. Oh, that's right. To get us out of here. And then uh, we'll head out. All right? So, uh, because, you know, I like to remind us from time to time that we're just nothing but a bunch of hairless monkeys. And the one of the people in this world that that did that best was George Carlin. So uh, we'll play George Carlin's take on stuff. Yeah, I got little things over here. This is my office over here. You notice that? It's got to be my office, right? Shit, if that's my job, it's got to be my office. Looks like an office to me. Got the water cooler here. That's the first thing I always look for when I worked in an office, you know? The water cooler. Little place to hang out in between periods of making believe I was working. <laughs> Actually, it's just a little place for my stuff. You gotta have that. You gotta have a little place to put your stuff during the day, during the evening, whatever it is, don't you? Sure. Everybody's gotta have a little place for their stuff. That's all life is about. That's the meaning of life. Trying to find a place to keep your stuff. 
That's all your house is. Think of it. That's all your house is. It's a place to keep your stuff. If you didn't have so much goddamn stuff, you wouldn't need a house. You could just walk around all the time. That's all your house is. It's a pile of stuff with a cover on it. That's all your house is. It's a place to keep your stuff while you go out and get more stuff. Sometimes you gotta move. Sometimes you gotta move. You gotta get a bigger house. Why? Too much stuff. Now, sometimes you go on vacation, you gotta bring some of your stuff with you. Can't take all your stuff. Just the stuff you really like. The stuff that fits you good that month. You gotta take a smaller version of your stuff. Say you're gonna go to Honolulu for two weeks. Two weeks in Honolulu, you gotta take two big bags of stuff. You get to Honolulu, you fly halfway across an ocean. You get to Honolulu, get in the hotel room, and you put away your stuff. That's the first thing you do in a hotel room is put away your stuff. I'll put some stuff here, I'll put some stuff there. You put your stuff over there, I'll put my stuff over here. Here's another place, you put some stuff here. Here's another place over here. Hey, we got more places than we got stuff. We're gonna have to buy more stuff. But you put your stuff away and you know that you're a long way from home and you don't quite feel 100% at home, but you know that you must be okay because you do have some of your stuff with you. And you begin to relax, you know, feel okay. That's when your friend from Maui calls up, says, hey, why don't you come over to Maui for the weekend, spend a couple of nights over here. Oh, shit. Now what do I bring? Can't bring all this stuff. Right, you've got to bring an even smaller version of your stuff. Just enough stuff for a weekend on Maui. And you go over to Maui and you're really spread out. Now you've got shit all over the world. You've got stuff in the mainland, stuff in Honolulu, you've got stuff with you. Supply lines are getting longer and harder to maintain. But you get over there to Maui and they give you a little place to sleep, you know. Little windowsill and you put your stuff, because you don't have much stuff now, on the windowsill. Put your favorite stuff. Your jumbo-sized visine. Your trim nail clippers. Your odor eater's 45-day guarantee. And your Afrin 12-hour decongestant nasal spray. And you begin to relax, you know. That's when your friend says, Hey, I think tonight we'll go over the other side of the island. Visit my friend, maybe stay over. Oh, shit. What do you bring? Well, now you just bring the things you know you're going to need. Money, keys, comb, wallet, lighter, hanky, pen, cigarettes, contraceptives, Vaseline, whips, chains, whistles, dildos, and a book. <laughs> Maybe a little dental floss, depending on who's on the other side of the island. Ah, there you go. I'll leave that in the supporter sync if you guys want to watch it. So, uh, uh, Chris, I got to ask you, I know you've probably already covered this on TTT and all, all the other various outlets. Can you show, can you show my screen real quick? Screen up. Uh, bring screen on. Chase screen. Uh, so what do you think of this? Are uh, you really falling for this, dude? I, no, no. I want to know what you think. I'm I not think, saying I fall I for it. I think all things that you... are made from aluminum metal bend. If you Google search iPhone 5S bending, right. you will find dozens and dozens and dozens of articles written after the week the iPhone 5S was launched saying it bends. Okay. You can go bend your iPad. If I take my Nexus 5 and I begin to bend it, it bends. 
everything bends. Things that are made of metal bend better. Right. There you go. That's what I think of it. And there you have it, folks. <laughs> I was just curious what you thought. That's Come all. On. No, this no. happens every iPhone release. Literally. Yeah. This is this is like the seventh year we've done this. How do you not remember this? Well, no, no, I know. I just no, asked you. I, no, you, this you, is the third time you brought it up. You must be buying into it. No, I wanted to know what you thought. I think it's obviously uh, it, people that are just getting some traffic and some having some funds at the iPhone. Because you know what happens is it's iPhone, 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 iPhone for like three weeks. Well, like I definitely- and people get sick of it. So then when something like that, you know, people like to take a shot because it's like, finally, you know, all we've heard is praise for the iPhone. Now let's take a shot. Right. You know, I yeah. mean, I understand it. Yeah. Well, and like the software too. Like that, I definitely know about for sure. Like you know, there's when a new like, iOS, when any yeah, new iOS yeah, comes out, yeah, yeah. and then there's like always like yeah. you have like the inevitable uh, lock screen bypass, which we haven't heard of yet, but it'll come. Yeah, uh, you've almost always like it's not even an OS update unless you got Wi-Fi problems. Apparently with iOS, <laughs> right, right. Uh, so how to fix your Wi-Fi to make it better? Did you? And then nine course, hidden tips. Yeah. So what's funny is the bending one seems to be getting. I mean, the, the, so the wave thing went around for a little while. You saw that. Yeah, the whole microwave. Yeah. Now, remember, last year, it was the iOS 7 update allows you to drop your phone in drop water. water. Yeah. Right. So it's every year, dude. Yep. Every yep. year. It's 4chan. But, the, but then again, you know, you got, you know, big, huge media companies that will gladly give dude, Apple free advertising I was at Staples today, yeah. and the people at the checkout were like, have you heard about Bendgate? Yeah. I prefer Benghazi. Benghazi. How's that? Huh? Right? <laughs> Benghazi. I think that's pretty good. I like the sound of Benghazi well, more I, than Bengate. I, I don't know if you saw this, but this was... Uh... Oh, and did you remember, what was it, uh, Scratchgate for the iPhone 4? Remember the iPhone 4 came out and they made a really big deal because the glass was breaking? Remember the iPhone 4 was the first one that was glass front and back? Yep. And Ryan Block got like a bunch of traction because it was Glassgate where he, he cracked the back of his his phone and that was like the first time anybody ever seen the back oh of a phone crack. Oh my God. Right. So with the iPhone 4, or 4S, I can't remember, it was the glass stuff. Uh, but yeah, so in Tech Talk today this morning, I showed um, previous years, like, freakouts about the bending. So, I mean, it's a thing, but it happens every time. Yeah. Anytime you make something small that's rectangular, and you put it in a situation where rectangles don't do well, it's going to bend. Because it's made yeah. of a, a pliable material. It's not like they can, it's not a solid metal in here. I hate to break people's... Uh, uh, yeah. it, this is not actually a solid block of metal. It is actually... Well, and the new one's actually lighter than that one, which is kind of hard to fathom. Well, and the thing I think that's probably making it... the new one. I think the thing that's making it more pronounced is like the 5.5 yeah. is so big that's probably easier to bend, right? It's so big. Right? And then the other thing is, it's like, why... Like, do the other phones not bend? Of course they bend, Well, right? uh, Unbox Therapy did... <laughs> oh, this is good, Chase. Yeah, it's very good. All did, right, you're going to make me go to my Tech Talk Today show notes. I see how it is. <laughs> I see how it is, Chase. I see how it is. Didn't he do a video of all the phones? No, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that was like it was put out later. It might so have been let's out see. I don't know if I... Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did link it. Uh, here we go. Uh, so I like Ben Gates good. I think Ben Gazi is a little better. Um, so here's an article from uh, from Cult of Mac. These are people that are fans of Macs, yeah. right? From October oh, 7th, yeah. 2013. Yeah, I remember this. iPhone 5S bending in people's pockets. Right? Yeah. I mean, and you can go back, there's the same one for the five, and then when you go to the four, it's glass breaking. Happens every time. Yeah. Just put it in a concrete case, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Made of diamonds. Right. If you buy a really expensive case. Where's my Gorilla Glass what case? What you should do is buy a really expensive jacket that has a phone Ooh, pocket. There you go. Yes. Uh, Whoa. 
Whoa, you got an Amber, Amber alert. alert. Amber Alert, everybody. Amber Alert. Amber Alert. Amber Alert. Amber Alert. Alert. This is not a drill. This is an alert. A 2000 Black Lexus in LeConnor. That's right down the road. Yeah, it is. Why'd you get it and I didn't? I'm sure your OnePlus will catch up eventually. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe the oh, actually maybe I have them off. It's possible. Go find that Lexus. All right, we got to go find a Lexus. All right, I think actually, we're gonna go yeah, with my Golf Amber War Three. Are, are on, so I didn't receive. It. I think we're gonna go with Golf War Three. What do you think? I Chase? like Golf War yeah, Three. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Um, mm, yeah, all right. I'm just rechecking the titles. All right, we'll go with that. We will do it. Cool. Uh, so I played with the iPhone 6 for the first time today. Uh, 6 or 6 Plus? Just the 6. Just the 6. All right, what do you think? Um, I like the uh, rounded edges of the glass. That's nice when swiping. Is And does it feel very good in the hand? It's felt bigger than I thought for 4.7. I hear that all. Oh, it was gold? Because if, 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 so if you want a 6 Plus, it's this size. I can't get over how tacky the gold looks. It just, to me, does not look I, good. I was going to get, if I get it, it'd be the graphite or whatever yeah, that color is. Yeah, I think i get a darker one. But this is the 6 Plus size. I mean, this is roughly the 6 Plus size. You know, I've, I've held a mock-up of the 6 Plus, and it felt smaller than this to me. That is actually, once you take off the case, is thinner. I don't know why. I, I don't, don't know why I, I don't know why it is. I, I, I yeah. also feel the same way about the notes. Yeah. The note, uh, the the 5.2-inch note feels bigger to me in my hand than the 5.5 does. I was reading uh, some of the battery tests. This beat the 6 Plus on nice. battery. But that Doesn't makes it sense. have like a crazy great battery in it? 3,100 milliamp. Yeah. Uh, the, the Plus has what's 2,900, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. But then again, it's apples and oranges because iOS battery management is so much different than the way Android mm, does. I suppose so. Uh, my Nexus 5 with L is getting great battery life, too, though. So I I'm cannot pretty... wait to move the L. I wonder how it's doing, actually. Let's check that out. Oh, I, oh, shit. I went to Sailfish OS, which does not last very long. <laughs> uh, all right, Chase. So uh, right. <laughs> I like the other titles. I F and quit based on our, our last clip there. <laughs> I'm going back into L. Let's see how, I, let's see how it's doing. All right, you guys. Well, thank you very much for joining Thanks us today. Thanks so much, you guys. Thank you to all of our Unfiltered supporters. You guys make this possible. Thank you very much for sticking with us during these transitions that we are going through, as hopefully we'll have them worked out soon. Go get the BitTorrent sync. Lots of good clips for you. Word. In the meantime, now I'm going to put my pants back on and start dancing. All right, everybody. That is it for episode 115 of your Unfiltered supporter show. We'll be back here next week with one freaking 16. That's nuts. 116. That's nuts. Because of the supporters. Over two years. Love your faces, everybody. See you next week. Love you guys. We is crazy. And you know, Chase, if you think about it, what you really got to do is... Yeah! Yeah! No, exactly! Yeah!